Welcome to TCP episode 188, where Yiska's back from holiday, Joe is up at a weird hour again, and I get molded by the darkness. That's correct. Um, as I'm sure you can hear me at least somewhat well, this thing is really chunky. I'm going to be real honest. It was not made for people like me with big faces. <laughs> I'm sure they tested these products on with much smaller faces, because it is really squeezing my cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Clinching really hard. By the way, I, I, a lot of context. I, I didn't understand how you are confused if this is blowing air in or out. Can you, can you explain again what your, what your confusion there yeah, is? Yeah, so there's little fans. There's little fans on the side, and I don't know if they're, if they're sucking air into the mask or blowing it out. I'm not too sure which yet. So, okay, in uh, your mind, right? Do you have a vacuum in your, on your face right now? Uh, not quite. It's not, it's not perfectly sealed, no. Not is, quite. Is it lifting off your face a little bit? I'm feeling mean? pressure. Do you think there's pressure being put no, in? I don't think so. So why do you not immediately come to the conclusion that it does both, bro? Like, this, like... I'm sure it does both. I mean, there's a little thing down here that's just completely clear with nothing there. So I'm sure air can just get in and out that way. I'm like, I don't know. I don't oh, know. does it go through a filter then? Or do you just have it like yeah, a it slit here? Yeah, it does go through. There's a filter. Right. It's all through a filter, yeah. Obviously, there's a filter. Right. Otherwise, I'd be, do I'd be breathing in all the dirty air. Oh, you wouldn't want that. It's true. Um, Taking lockdown very seriously. Exactly. Is it heavy? I mean, who said who said Bane wasn't a good guy? I mean, he quarantined <laughs> exactly. the whole city and he stopped all the sporting events. He wore a mask, and he uh, made the conclusion that uh, you know all of the bad things came originated from a bat. So, <laughs> how you tied that all together is beyond me. But well played. What what kind of my book. what kind of I'm a reaction do you do you expect when you walk outside with this? I'm, I'm gonna not be able to hear you for the next five seconds. That's right. Okay. So I I I think like if I see someone like that on the streets, I'm changing, like, the, the sidewalk that I'm taking. I'm not about <laughs> sure about you, but this is some techno Viking garbage. <laughs> like. Yeah, dude. I'm trying to find out where the party's at. I'm following Avril wherever he's going. He knows where the fun times are headed. I don't think anyone ever asked for an LED mask. No, nobody. I'll did. be honest with you. I don't Razor, think anyone don't really up. asked it for it. But um, otherwise, it's like it's mostly kind of cool. Obviously, I got sent a uh, a Razor Zephyr. Is what it is. Brand new uh, LED mask, gamer mask. That way, when I go out into the world, everyone can know if it's if it's an apocalypse out there. We can all know who the gamers still are. Uh, that'll still be useful. It, it looks cool for cosplay. I'm sure, like, if you were going to cosplay some sort of like steampunk, cyberpunk character, or just some like mask wearing thing, um, you'd be good to go. I'm just not fully comfortable with the fact that your mouth is kind of revealed. I feel like, you know, Joe and I had a discussion about this. I feel like if you're going to wear a mask, the whole point of it is to also kind of obscure your face. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like it, it, it creeps me out in the same way, like, see through clothing would creep me out. It's just. The whole point of it is it's meant to obscure. It's meant to be covering things. Yep. If I wear a mask, I expect it to cover my face. And if it doesn't, I just feel a bit naked on my face. So. Here's, here's, here's the truth about it. I read a paper on this, and people who, have, who are uglier actually greatly benefit from masks. <laughs> so 
if you're if you're you know an ass face, just keep that on because the way people extrapolate how the rest of your face should look, Dude. like I don't know, like the chances of someone taking their face mask off and you going, oh wow, that looks better than I anticipated, is zero percent. I've had this zero times this I, pandemic. What you just said is is generally true for like anything you wear on your face. Like so, if mm. you are less attractive, just wear more things on your face that includes facial hair, glasses, a mask. Uh, a hat, you know, just the more things you can shove on your face, the better at that stage, really. Is this how, why I, I'll be getting face tattoos? Is that, is that a good idea? <laughs> just a couple teardrops. Face tattoos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. You'd have, to, you'd have to get a lot to cover, though. I, you know, but then, then you just yeah. look weird. You look like a psycho if you have too many. Yeah. Or just any at all. Actually, you know, just any at all would already uh, sit you down. Germans with fa face tattoos doesn't sit particularly well with no. me but you know no maybe 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 you know another part maybe the neck i don't know yeah no there, there's not a lot of that going on here unless you're really into like uh that type of scene just get like basically people who get face tattoos in germany probably have no more space skin space left everywhere else <laughs> and they're just desperate for more usually how it goes right and when you use your whole body as a yeah. canvas yeah. at that stage um, but we we have an interesting episode ahead because we have had the conclusion of the regular season. All matches of the regular season have all finished now. We're getting prepped up for the tournament of the Countdown Cup coming up this weekend as well. Mm. And there's a, a lot to get through here. So without further ado, episode 188 brought to you by Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronze Bob Buhau, Chare, Chris R34444, Fabled Steven, Hunter Tain, Cassius67, Lolshin, Rex Zane, Sir Gertholot, Wilma D, Yeska's All Percentage Shower Gel, and Your Misery. And uh, also for members on YouTube as well, thank you so much. As we'll start things off uh, with actually, let's get into uh, the hot topic of the week. Is actually MVP candidates, the list finally being revealed. And our 10 MVP candidates out in the open now. So finally, can be, finally people can stop uh, speculating on, on who they are um, and what's actually going on here. So I'll just go through the list really quickly where you can check, by the way, if you go to overwatchleague.com slash MVP, you can check the list, see the cool video that they did, and also uh, make your vote happen, which ends August 27th. Uh, I'm not going to say how many days from now because, you know, by the time, who, who knows when you watch this podcast and this episode anyway. So August 27th. And your candidates are Fearless, Leave, Hanbin, Sparkle, Flitter, Lip, Iziaki, Pelican, Shoe and profit. Bro, they actually it's a got profit on that. List. They finally I mean, got, got profit to. on it. No, you, yeah, you had to for three seasons and they didn't, dude. Like, this is the first time profit has been on a short list for MVP. Can you believe that shit? When he was, yeah, yeah. When he's basically, know that. arguably the the dude. I don't want to slack ag agilities, right? But that kid had. I think two or three nominations in season one. Profit yeah. had zero, my dudes. Like, how? It was on the season one nomination. Yeah. It was on there for season one. I uh, can't even They remember. are public. I don't know if the nominations are the ones that are public or the actual votes. I, I think the votes are the ones that are public. Yeah, yeah. The votes, I, didn't, I don't think we had a short list during that time. Um, no. But we know who voted for who. Like, of course, Jonak, like, overwhelmingly first. Sebiobi was one of the uh, ones, I think. I think Fissure was up there. 
Fisher was up there. I, I think I remember some strikers. I'm looking that at it now. I'm looking at it now. Uh, it was a huge list, by the way. Oh, wait, hang on. Was it? No. Okay, no. Okay, so the, the way it worked was, is from what I can tell in the document, it's just literally a PDF from a little bit of Googling, is all the talents uh, and some coaches and stuff were and media. You know, allowed to vote. And some media. Yeah, some media there as well. And you just did like a first, second, third. And so there's Jonax, Carpe's, Agilities, Mickey's on there, Fisher's on there, Striker, Mano, Doshin, CBLB Snakes, Cool Matt's on there as well. Um, yep. Let's go, Mickey, Cool Matt. Uh, cool Matt was on there. Who actually uh, who, who did? was on there. I'm not going to read the full list out. There's not the full list. Gagory was actually on there as well. Um, soon, Gam, uh, Gamsu. So yeah, there's there was a bunch of names on there. It, it, to me, I don't think it was a public vote. It wasn't like, here's your 10. No nominees yeah, yeah go ahead and vote it was just literally every player was a candidate and then between personalities and media and all of that uh and coaches whatever they they just top they just did a short list of their top three and that was it and they aggregated the list and jonate came out overwhelmingly in first place uh it's 2019 season i don't know how it worked i can't remember i don't know if today's were... they it was a similar process that they I'd have to go back and look, but I think the intention was to make it public again, but they just never did. Um, yeah. Dude, like... Similar, similar kind of voting. And at some point, someone's got to climb on this hill with me, where we go through all the season one VODs of Carpe and Profit, and I will prove to you Profit was a better player during uh, season one than uh, Carpe was, while I mean, getting we, zero we all nominations. Know that in hindsight. We all... I don't think... No one, would, no one disagrees with that, though. Like, we all know that. In hindsight, because London won, Profit was yes. Grand Finals MVP, so he he kind of got an MVP, the MVP award that maybe people feel like he sh he was deserved of anyway. So I don't feel like he missed out in season one, if that makes sense, because he still won and he still zero got an MVP votes, award anyway. Dude, zero votes, like not even some goofy ass just went like, oh, you know what would be wacky if Profit, like nobody, like <laughs> yeah, and and people put Mickey and whatever on the list. Yeah. Yes, correct. So yeah. yeah. Nah, that was a, one of the biggest snubs I've ever seen in esports history, honestly. Like, in terms of, like, no recognition for arguably the so, best uh, player that season, by the way. So I'm, I'm just looking at 2019 now. I mean, you could argue that Jonak was also the best player that season, just to be clear. Oh, uh, for sure. But looking back on 2019 now, so there were five people in the MVP shortlist. It was Sinatra, Super, Twilight, Janu, and Gushwe, uh, who, by the way, was also a rookie that year. Uh, well, actually, there was two Vancouver players who were all rookies. So, uh, but that aside, there were five players, and I believe it was you could vote through Twitter, same as you can this year. And it was the hashtag #OwlMVP, put their name in there, and then um, the fan voting got mixed in with, you know, the personality, GM casters, um, coaches, whatever, whatever voting as well. And then mm. that all came together to select somebody. And then last year. They expanded that from five to ten players, and now we've kind of maintained that. Except last year, I think the specific rules, as said by John Specs, was that you can only have two players from one team. Whereas this year, they've done three players from one team, which is why you have three from uh, Dallas and three from Shanghai, and then only four players out of six that are not from those two teams. Yeah, and then yeah, I, I, do you guys like that? Role? Uh, I, I think we should have done what we did last year. I, I would prefer if we just repeated last year honestly but that's just i i approached this episode and and before you had joined uh the call 
me and Avril were kind of talking about it and uh he had made a, an interesting point that i hadn't considered you know like if if everybody on your team is mvp like does that really what does that mean like what definition are you applying to like the vast majority of your, of your team um it feels like it's then just a vote of you know this team is good therefore these players are good both teams are outstanding and very much the um kind of the odds on favorite going forward but um or at least from a narrative perspective um so like there sh- they should have a a good sizable chunk of players but does that warrant as many as there are probably not because there's probably one specific player on those teams or maybe two i think up to two i think makes a lot of sense but when you start to stretch to three yeah. um and, and that's kind of my overall argument is that then you start to start reaching for some straws. I think the the overall list probably could have been shorter in general. It's just, a, it's just like uh, how many most valuable players are on your team? Is everyone the uh, most valuable player now? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just the whole yeah. thing is diminished okay, a here, little bit when you have so many people from one team. I, hmm. Here's the thing. Idealistically, I think there should be zero cap, right? Like if we actually Agreed. had the ability Agreed. to, like had the truth machine, we get that out mm-hmm. and we actually evaluate how each player played. The problem is we do not have that. So to guard against like our inaccuracies with some people just get carried by their team, you the the limit makes sense. And I agree that two is probably that. I will say though, I'm already pretty upset what the selections were for some of those. Because I don't really? think Fletter well, deserved it this year over F- Void. I'm sorry. Like Void was most definitely arguably the best player on the Shanghai Dragons, just because he played all of the minutes and did so True. like marvelously dude Boyd is maybe the most underappreciated player in overwatch it, history like maybe that's I my new can... he got a nod last year he did get a nod last year when flitter won Boyd got a nod he did like i think you can have those discussions i, th- I don't think they're necessarily uh you know to, i think they can be mutually exclusive um i agree that void is probably the most underrated player to ever grace this game and probably one of the most consistent um but if you take a gander at some of Flutter's stats, it's tough to argue. That one's, that one's hard. That one is tough. Uh, the most underrated player to grace the league is, without a doubt, Punk. But um... <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not wrong. That aside, I, look, no one thinks, no one underrates Void. I don't think you could talk to anybody and they'd be like, nah, Void's not very good. I think everyone roughly agrees uh, unanimously that Void is good. So I don't think he's underrated. I think like him missing out an MVP nod is a bit like, oh, that's a bit upsetting. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think that would necessarily mean you underrate him because uh, when you look at who's on this, um, you have Lip, who is, I think, have, has been the most valuable player on Shanghai this season. That's just my opinion. Uh, even over Void, sure. that's right. And I think Iziaki has actually been probably the most consistently best, at least Zenyatta player, if not Flick support overall. So. That's a bit of a sleeper pick, and people kind of overlook that. But when you when you look mm. at stats, you watch his games, you start to understand why. Um, so I think that's maybe like MVP caliber. Can he win the MVP? I don't think he can win it, but I think like you know, giving him the nod makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving Flitter the nod. I think Flitter was a bit quiet earlier in the year, or well, let's say in the middle of the year. Maybe he was a, he was reasonable in May Melee. He started to come really come back though. I think. Uh, Summer Showdown was a great tournament for Fletter. Mm-hmm. So yep. there probably is a bit of recency bias there. And then you do have to consider, yeah, Void had a great year overall. I think Void has just never been bad this year or last mm-hmm. year. 
But now we get into the the sort of discussion where like, yeah, but what about Lee Jae Gong? He's also been good, you know. But you know, what about Fate? Like Fate's ball is really important for the Jun Jaos yeah. and also for some sort of. So at this point, it's like you might as well just give all of Shanghai, put all of them up for an MVP, and then we mm. get back to the same notion of like, is literally your whole team most valuable? Is everybody in your team the most valuable player now? Like, what's going on here? The thing is, this sort of implies that Void was worse than Hanbin this year, which is mostly down to the limitation rule, right? Like, you can't... Yeah. Any, I don't I, think I, he was. Um, I don't think he was. No, I don't think, I don't think so either. Um, I think if you wanted to trade out Izaki for Void, I think I would agree with that. And I also, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. I don't think either of them win. Then the implication is that, oh, then Shrew's better than Izaki. I don't know yeah, that, there's that a, would be true. You know, there's a lot of implication via omission, but I, I don't know that you can really escape that. And the other thing is, then, that then less, the solution should be, and the solution should be, every player should should it be should be like season one where every player is eligible, right? Yeah. Or the solution could be like maybe you make it twenty plays or thirty plays, but then the, everything's arbitrary. And you yeah, know, yeah. the the part of this is there is meant to be fan interaction. Mm -hmm. Um. It is meant to be a sponsored thing. It is meant to be like, you know, the fan partaking it is really important. So to make it easy and not complicated, 10 is a good number because five yeah. feels too few. Mm -hmm. 10 is about right. Anything more than 10 starts to become a little bit, you know, cumbersome. So just do 10 and 10 makes sense. Um, and I just think if we're going to get into the territory of really spreading the votes out and, you know, we're going to include the profits in here. We're going to include the shoes in here and stuff like that. I, I think we go back to last year and you just, okay, you want to do MVP even for top two teams? Just pick the top two here. Just who are the best two players that are most most impactful yep. two players on your team uh, and then just do it that way. Because otherwise you get to a sort of space where, let's say you did four from one team, as ridiculous as it sounds, but hypothetically, let's just entertain the thought. Then it's just like, does that mean the other two players were worse? Does that mean, do you know what I mean? It just gets weird. It's mm. like, by the time you get to like three or four, you're like, you might as well put the whole team on there. The thing is, my problem with yep. all of that is I don't think MVP nominations serve as recognitions in the moment. MVP nominations and MVP votes are things that we look back on later on in order to evaluate one's career. And I'm sorry, but like if I like, you know how much fucking talking I have to do in order to explain to someone that Void is possibly, like, a top five player ever in Overwatch 1? And that, then he's like, okay, yeah, what, what did he win? Uh, fuck all individual things. I mean, Zero you know where that comes from. Like, he's got stage one. titles. He's got lots of stage yeah. titles. I think that's worth something. Yeah, I guess that's he got carried the, then, right? a lot of other players. Most yeah. players don't even have a single stage title. They have a little multiple. Yeah, but the thing is, like, once again... It, Unless someone is in the discourse, like for instance, Prophet is someone that has transcended the lack of, uh, like personal, and there's not a complete lack of. I I argue it's still underrepresented of recognition of artificial titles, where people now recognize, okay, this guy, like when we talk about certain heroes or like certain times, and especially towards like when it matters and in playoffs and whatnot, this guy shows up. Therefore, he's present in our head. For players that just generally have like a really high um performance over all the games those will always be unappreciated unless they get nominations or awards or whatever it is so mm -hmm. okay. if we and i assume we're doing roll stars again but like it, it would suck for void not yeah, to not get one right so we are, we'll definitely be doing 
and I think like uh, I mean, who knows how that ends? Because I'm sure it'll be Void versus Hanbin for sure. Yes. Uh, maybe they both get Space it. Maybe. maybe only one of them gets it. Um, we'll see how Gladiators do. You will, we'll have to really discover. We'll have to really see how far Glads get yet. And maybe, mm. maybe yeah, maybe he gets one even if Glads don't play well. Because look, MVP Nod went to Shu and Glads haven't been to any tournaments. So who knows? At the end of the day, it could yeah. it go it could go either way. Uh, and by the way, just you know, leave it up to us. Leave it up to this show and this podcast to to have a whole MVP discussion. Right. That's just more like a meta discussion of like how should this award work, Wouldn't rather than like <laughs> rather than like actually talking about the candidates or anything like that. So right. obviously, uh, we brought up a couple of uh, points about maybe this person could have had a nod. Like Void comes to mind. Um, I know the community has put Fitz up there as one. Well, I would actually argue that Fitz to me has had maybe a bigger impact than Profit this year. Um, and who, who else? I think there were some other players as well. Some people wanted Fielder to be on there, uh, understandably as well. Mm. But overall, I you know I don't hate this list. And by the way, and this is this is a really funny turnaround as well. A lot of people before the Gladiators game happened. This is by the way no. Not a not permission for us to get too deep into the gladiators discussion, but like Shu was one of those picks where people were like, why is Shu on there? Like, are you serious? Like, what if Glad's on? How come Shu's on this list? And then immediately after Glad's won their game this past week, mm. everyone's on the Shu Shu train now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So and his his number of votes are quite high. We can bring that up by the way, because um one of the, somebody third party somebody in the third party made a voting like summary page website where they actually aggregate and collect all the voting stats uh and to me it seems pretty accurate i can't verify whether this is actually accurate or not but i do know that if you go ahead and vote and then you refresh the page it does actually update so somehow they're scraping the actual votes from the mvp website obviously this only takes into account people going to the overwatchleague.com slash mvp page so if you're if if the asian fans the asian countries go through a different landing page they go through a different method that's not going to be reflected here. But through, let's just say the Western fans, my assumption, um, this is kind of something that's existed and to my knowledge feels accurate, but I can't confirm whether it actually is because no one knows. But yeah. before we talk about the fact that Fearless and Lever way up the top there, what I'm saying about people jumping on top of the shoe train and, and this massive recency bias is he's, he's fucking fourth and he jumped up to fourth after like Glad's good performance, and right before that, the community sentiment was completely the other way around, the 180, right? Where they're like, "Oh man, Shu shouldn't even be on the list," and now he's in the damn top five. <laughs> that's that, that's the beauty of this. It's like for once, recency bias actually helped reset the yeah. opinion where it should be. Because if you look at this guy's stats over the season, like we talked a lot about, for instance, Iris on BAP and whatnot, bro. Look at his stats. Like, this guy is legit, like, solo carrying some of those games. Like, yeah. he doesn't... Are you talking about Shu or are you talking about Shu. Iris? Shu? Yeah. Like, okay. Shu has twice as many solo kills per minute as every other BAP in the league. Twice as many. He's like 0.5. The second is like 0.22 or something. I, I recently tweeted about it, right? So, okay. of course, that might be a playstyle thing for... Um, for the and I'll just quickly bring this up just so you see the boss and get a like a uh, intuitive feel for this. But like the the difference in play style, like it it doesn't necessarily have to mean like you're you're a better bat yeah. because of that. It also just means maybe you're more on flanks or 
like your team is actually not coordinating with you and you gotta do it yourself. That that's all sort of implied there. It's just like he's different than other. Yeah. However, like not different in the old, you know, flex support difference type of uh, understanding, yeah. but like he just does stuff different than other um, flex supports. And right. I didn't mind uh, that recognition at all. By the way, Shu himself is one that probably didn't uh, receive enough recognition for the, his performances in the last couple of years. Uh, always has been a top uh, flex support. Of course, like a little bit in the shadow of other superstars that were popping off at the time. Like if, if I'm thinking, uh, you know, Violet was like the guy to talk about. Like it's really hard to shine when others are just like these bright stars. With Chalker winning and Violet's winning, yes, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, like what I said earlier, just to clarify as well, what I said earlier wasn't like I, I definitely... Uh, I definitely think Shu deserves a nod here, so I'm not saying he shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. I think I, I was I was more so criticizing the, the how how stupid it is in terms of you know the bandwagon narrative about certain players and that being like flipped around 180 like within one best of five, um, because everyone else was like, "Oh, our Irish should be on here." Because what what people look at is you know no one no one sees these stats because very little people go and check stats, or you know you could argue it's not accessible. You could argue like Maybe the broadcast could push the stats a little bit harder, but um, yeah, people people look at who wins. People look at recency bias in terms of who wins really hard, and Atlanta have been winning, and Iris has been popping off on the map. And yep. so people are like, if you're going to pick a flex support that's not from Dallas or Shanghai, you're, you're probably picking Iris. And so everyone's quite confused about Shu for that reason. But you know, from your explanation, Yisker, I can totally understand why Shu's on the list. Yeah. And it's not just Baptiste either, and it's not just this year. Like... People may, like, look at this sideways, but Shu has been in the discussion. Not not granted that title, but in the discussion for top four flex support since, like, late 2017. He can do it on Zen. He can do it on Ana. We know yeah. he can do it on BAP. This kid's a stud, statistically yeah, speaking. Yeah. And nobody actually sifts through that stuff, so he is very, very quiet. He does his, you know, he, he impacts the game like nobody's business. Um, but it's all just kind of hidden behind some wins and some losses. But behind the scenes, if you actually dive into, uh, I mean, it's probably not archived somewhere, but uh, yeah, I, I was turned on to Shu a long time ago nice. from a friend of the show. And uh, I mean, I'm high on Molly and, you know, turned on to, you yeah. know, it's just yeah, yeah, my yeah, MO these days. Yeah. So the yeah. Shoe's on the there other one. Shoe on head. There you go. It's, I mean, the kids. I, I got a good one for you. So the community, the community really hated you. And they, well, they didn't hate you, but they didn't, they didn't think Shu deserved the MVP not at all. And then they saw the game, and now the shoe's on the other foot. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, uh, actually, before we, before we get too deep in the rabbit Let, hole, they're just like going down. Can I what? give one little uh, tidbit in the preseason in Shu? Right. Yes, we didn't have like large bags this season, just because we're, we downsized and whatnot. But if there was something as throwing a bag at someone and organizations were willing to do that, then Chu is the, the player that this was, like, low-key this season. I don't think many people were like, oh, I got to get this guy. Uh, like, fans were like, oh, I got to get this guy for my team. Like, he's outstanding. Mm. But as soon mm. as it was made clear that he was going to not be on uh, Guangzhou charge, I know of yeah. at least three organizations that were like, here's what whatever, like, the highest thing we can do this season uh, is thrown at, uh, thrown at you. I think he's a high-value player. 
Yeah. Like oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't, obviously I don't know how much he's getting paid. I don't know whether he's he's getting a bag or not. But I think if you if you did one of those fan things, you know the fan things out there were like you know make a team out of ten dollars or something like that. And oh, here's yeah, a player yeah. that costs five dollars. Here's one that's four, three, two, one. Shu would be like a solid three dollar player. Not and that's probably undervalued. He in, in terms of value, yes. he's probably someone that's worth five dollars, but it yes. cost you three dollars be... on that thing. And so mm. you are making mad bank and value if you pick him up for three bucks. Is what I'm saying. Um, now, what I actually wanted to get to to clean up the uh, MVP discussion is we'll all each talk about very quickly who we think the front runner for MVP is. Or actually, no, that's that we weren't. Don't talk about that. Just who do you think is the MVP? Who do you think right now at this exact moment in time? Um, Right before we go to the Countdown Cup, so we haven't seen any Countdown Cup games for the extra tournament. But who right now do you think should be the MVP based on what we have seen so far in the season? I'll go first, and we'll just keep it nice and tight because uh, I don't want to get stuck on here too long sure. before we actually get into our other topics. Um, leave is leave is still not my number one, and it's very clear to me because it comes down to what is your definition of what an MVP actually is. I define it in two ways. There's I think there are only two clear ways that you can define an MVP. One who is literally the best player in the league, and two, who is the most valuable player for their team within context. And the reason why I think Leave is your MVP, and it's not even close, it, should be, it shouldn't be close, it should just be Leave. you just give him the trophy now, is because he ticks both those boxes. <laughs> He's the number Dude. one pick for me in both boxes. I wrote a script literally having that exact argument in the script about the uh because it's a correct argument because yeah, sure, it's a yeah, correct yeah. argument and anybody else yeah. that has a different argument i, I just don't yeah. think is on board you're yeah. not on board because he is literally the best player yeah. statistically he, he's yeah. up there okay we can argue that lip has highest statistics on certain heroes which is why yeah. he's also on the list probably shit. my number two pick if i could have a number two pick but leave is like to me the number he's the best individual player in the Overwatch League, yep. because nobody has a hero pool bigger than he does, yep. and nobody plays the heroes that he does at the same verticals across all those heroes either. Like, in terms of that, he's number one. He's so fucking good at the game. Yeah. And then number two is, because he does all of that, he's so valuable to his team and any team. There is no team in the league that would not immediately improve their roster yeah. by adding leave. Now, obviously, the caveat of that would be, we're assuming, okay, just remove the context of uh, language barriers and remove like logistical issues. We're just, we're just talking about in a full vacuum in hypothetical, if you added leave on and he just came in and played overwatch, every single team would improve their roster by having leave on the, on the team. Yeah. Bar none, you know, yeah. no language issues, nothing, which yeah. is remove that from the equation. And then on top of that, like if you take away leave from Chengdu, I think that's a bigger gaping hole in the team than taking away any player from any yeah. other team. That's that's my justification. And you could not slot anyone in, even if you could instantly solve language issues. I cannot put Flatter into Chengdu and Chengdu is as successful. You can't. I, I think if you replace Lee with Flatter, I think Chengdu is a worse team. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Still probably a good team, barring barring any kind of communication, but it's yeah. not nearly the same. Yeah. yeah. We're just talking about I... a one-to-one. -one, you know, no, we're assuming there's no communication issues, yeah. which they would be, but we're just removing that for the yeah. sake of argument. Because uh, I know some people might get confused by that statement. So for the sake of argument, I, I, I don't think... I think Chengdu become worse with Flitter uh, if you remove mm -hmm. Leaf. Anyway, you guys, what, who's your pick? <laughs> Dude, okay. Of course, or it's I also Leaf. It all of us. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more. I don't think we ever had a player like Leaf that, he's currently a, that he currently is in Overwatch history. Where this kid... I don't. I think he's unique. 
the range of heroes this kid can do it at at an elite level is unprecedented in Overwatch history. Yep, you, would have, you would have to go back to like hella, hella early beta where nobody ba basically didn't know how, how to hold a mouse, where Tivik was sometimes yeah. like flexing onto uh, main support just because he had fun playing on an A. Like maybe then you could argue. After that, it's donezo, my dude. Like if you just look at the... the the statistics of like what heroes he's played, like everyone just has like a you know like, like a nice sandwich, like one or two ingredients there, maybe three or four. The good ones have like six or seven. That's a nice burger, bro. He has everything. Like he, it's just like a fucking <laughs> double sandwich. He's, you know what he is? He's you walk into Subway and you're like, I'll get everything on my sub. That's leave. Yeah. Like, yeah. can I have all the salads? Let's leave, <laughs> bro. And then then I'm sitting in these post match interviews and. Like, Luke is telling me that he's even, like, an, a very influential uh, player in the, in the green room, talking to the players, being, like, a veteran presence, like, having impact on the strategy. Bro, this is the... To me, this is the most clear MVP case we've ever had in your Overwatch League. Yeah, I, I think he would be hard robbed. He would be mega robbed if he doesn't get it. Like, seriously, if you're not, if you're not going for leave... You are getting hard baited by the fearless protagonist thing, which, by the way, is I'm sorry, guys. I I'm not actually sorry. I think it's just stupid. But like, <laughs> I think fearless is a good player. But fuck me, if you're voting for him because of some protagonist reason, fuck yeah. that. Like you, that, you have subverted and perverted the sanctity of MVP. Um, yeah. so that's just ridiculous to me. Yeah. Joe, I mean, you you can't, you know. Can't argue with any of that. Um, you know, I, I, I will, I'll take this time this, to, you know, flame so, one of our fellow hosts. Real quick, this was so unfair. Everyone and I go, and you're complete. You're, you just don't understand Overwatch if you don't think it's leave. So, Joe, who else do you have? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, you're preaching to the choir if you're gonna tell me that like leave is MVP. It's just like, well, yeah, like Jungdu is the kind of like the meme. You know, it, but but Leaves been insane for God knows how long. Um, I'm glad that he can be, you know, has has influenced the league as much as he has and has you know put on this performance. And yeah, he is the clear front runner. Um, and to this point, yeah, he is the clear MVP. There is really no discussion around it. Agree with all the points. Um, but I was uh, sad that you didn't mention Grego Yiska. Just gonna put that out there. Oh, sad that you didn't mention Grego. Yeah. Just uh, let the that's, let the real ones that's uh, my ego, dig that dude. one up. That's my ego. That's the, that's the thing is like I, <laughs> as much as we're saying like oh you you know it's it's clearly leaving nobody else. I I still for them, I think for the opening bit of Overwatch League this year and uh, especially during May Melee, I still had Lip as my initial front runner, sure. um, while people were talking about Fearless, because yeah. Lip's improvement and his quality that he added to Shanghai, has really elevated Shanghai. And I think it's a bit of a shame that people aren't voting harder for Lip. That yeah. maybe those maybe the maybe those same people just voting harder for Leave and Fearless. But at the same time, it's like, look, I don't disagree that Prof is a good player, but more people have so far voted based on this third party thing, which we don't know is 100 percent accurate. So it might not sure. be accurate, but let's just assume it is. For the sake of argument, we'll assume it is. More people have voted for Profit than for Lip. And yeah, I, no, I I, I don't think Profit has had a good season compared to Lip. Yeah, not yeah. even compared. I, I think honestly, Profit should be number nine or ten on this list this is obviously a popular this is what it comes down to guys is at the end of the day as evidenced by fearless being number two this is just a popularity vote it's literally who do i like 
yeah. uh, a lot of people aren't thinking analytically about like who actually is the best yeah. or at least if they do if they if they do and they've landed analytically on fearless i think they've got the wrong compass it just isn't pointing true north yeah um because people and this is the argument that people have against leave people are saying like oh you just have recency bias well it's like hang on a second first of all uh Chengdu have now made three tournaments uh and also beyond that as all well, i i said leave very early on i remember seeing you even before Chengdu started popping off just seeing you know during heavy echo meta how much leave was popping off on the echo and all his other picks as well that was just his primary pick and I was mentioned him like months back, you know, as, as early as end of May, mainly like start of June joust kind of feels. Um, but if you're saying like, oh, you know what, you're just going for leave for, for uh, recency bias. So how do you explain fearless then? Is that like hindsight bias? Because fucking fearless hasn't done shit since May, mainly. So what does that mean? Are you going the complete 180 now? You you can't be saying leave recency bias and then then put your vote into fearless. Like that's just, that's just batshit crazy because you're then i accuse you of hindsight bias like you're not you haven't looked at recent games if you're fucking voting for fearless it's that's the problem like if this guy just had the ball in this pocket i understand why he doesn't but then you can't be front runner for mvp and i will say mm -hmm. like i talked to shu for instance and like i asked him a who should be the mvp nominee from your team uh if if you were allowed to say one of your team and oh, he man. he went like this kevster like instantly I think he also, like, this implied to me that he thought Kevster should have gotten it over him. But he also said instantly fearless. Now, this is tainted, of course, by, like, how often Gladiators had to play against fearless and not against Fade mm. and all the other candidates that could potentially be in here. But, yes, like, the fact that, I mean, to a degree, the inability of fearless to play the ball to the level that Fade can was one of the major reasons they couldn't win uh, stage two and uh, sorry, the second third cycle, and also didn't yeah. qualify for uh, this one because they had to sort of like try to reinvent themselves because they don't believe they can win it with uh, their Winston compositions, right? Which might or might not be the case. I'm not sure. But bottom line is, if you see this glaring hole in in someone's hero pool in in a season as stacked, then compare that to Leaf, who has zero holes in his hero pool. How can you, in good faith, think they are equally deserving also, of MVP? Also, as Chengdu stonks rising and Dallas stonks kind of falling, right? Stagnating yeah. and falling, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you have to consider that. Yeah. Like, you know, fuck me. You want to say, if anyone wants to say recency bias, or like, yeah, and what? Like, that matters. That does matter. Like, yeah. there's a team and a player that's rising up really massively fast and a team that's falling down. Yeah. You can't you can't discount that like that's not that's you can't say that's not relevant. Yeah. So and you know if we're gonna go for look I'll I'll be you, recency bias counts for more than hindsight bias any day of the week. You can't get to the end of the season, and let's say Dallas feel I'm not saying they will because I'm sure they'll bounce back. I'm sure they're 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 a great team and all, but let's say for example hypothetically if if Dallas feel bomb out of playoffs, you can't still be like yeah but fearless number one's like bro they just won May Melee. Your sip, your fucking take off your rose tinted glasses. Yeah. Because at this stage, if you're still wearing that shit, you might as well be voting for Arns. Oh, Arns is still the best water maker in the league. Bro, that was last year. What are you sipping? Like, you cannot have hindsight bias. It's just completely ridiculous. So, yeah, that's just that's just where I land on that. So, uh, now that we've spent an hour talking about MVPs, we can finally talk about other topics, right? Um, <laughs> uh, He's pretty but, good, man. You gotta look, just, I'll, I'll just, that's, that's just me. That's just me, like, debunking and, like, kind of digging into, like, mindsets about how people approach certain situations oh, yeah. i don't i don't discount i think some people walk away 
from this discussion be like, well, Avril just hates Fearless, or he thinks Fearless is bad. Not at all. I think Fearless is great. I think he's without a doubt the best Winston in the league, 100%. Yeah. You can quote me on that. But yeah. That doesn't mean I think he's the MVP. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's where we land. So uh, what was next on the docket? So we obviously have... Uh, we're probably going to have to move through this bit a little bit quicker than um, we imagined because we, we stayed on MVP a bit too long. But obviously, we, we have reached the end of the regular season, and that means certain teams do not make it into the Countdown Cup, which also prevents them from further getting any points that could save their season and get them to the play-ins. In previous episodes, we already discussed how play-ins and playoffs kind of work. Basically, you have to not be the bottom three. If you avoid the bottom three of your respective region, you can qualify into play-ins, or better yet, directly qualifying to play offs but if you are in the bottom three you are gone you are eliminated from the season your season is now over and six teams have now ended their season unfortunately those teams are florida mayhem london spitfire vancouver titans new york excelsior onto charge and the la valiant yeah yep. there's some some big sad ones in there i think um off the top of my head uh it's a shame that new york yeah, kind of peaked gone. Yeah, I mean, they're just, God bless them. They they certainly did try, didn't they? Um, but yeah, New York, uh, I, I was kind of excited for them and their late stage kind of bloom. I thought they uh, they did look good. I thought they were doing a lot of good things. I think uh, Kalios was a big addition to that team that did kind of like reinvigorate them. Um, it, it's a shame that they couldn't get him in, get him in sooner because obviously yeah. I, as much as I meme on Yiska, uh, I don't doubt that they were performing well in scrims. I don't doubt that there was a lot of potential there, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't translating. Um, and, and yeah, I, it's it's a shame that you know teams like New York, teams like you know Florida, who you know didn't perform consistently through the entire season for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's uh, it's sad to see them go. I guess. Yeah, it's also for me. Sad for Yuska. <laughs> no, I'm I'm sad that New York didn't make it in because I trust them more to have a dark horse run than Spark at this point. Um, even though both sure, teams yeah. have shown a an ability to to peak and to rival the best teams in the league, I just for NYXL it always seemed like they're just under the surface. Like I don't think the wait, which one were they in? Uh, was it Summer Showdown where they qualified for Hawaii? June, 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 June Joust. I didn't think that was necessarily where they peaked this season. They just, like, mm, got in. Absolutely not, no. Um, <laughs> I think, yes, Kalios was a big uh, help for them. It's, also, it's just unfortunate. I mean, they didn't get in by map differential, right? That's, that's yeah. unlucky. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I mean, honestly speaking, like, Neither Spark and or NYXL are likely to scratch either the Hunters or the Dragons. You know what game costed them? You, you know what I think ended New York's run? Aside from the fact that they, unfortunately, the final game was they had to beat Chengdu to get into the tournament of Countdown Cup right. and then get points there, which, you know, that, you forget about it. Chengdu is way too strong of a team yeah. right now to just simply beat. But the, the one game that I think screwed New York season entirely was the, the, the game they lost to Guangzhou Charge. Yes. 2-3. Yeah, if that game fucked them. If they won that game, they'd be safe. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think they ha- really had a realistic chance to get an extra point at uh, Hawaii that time as well. So, I guess like you could argue once again, like you know the Atlanta argument, like should you get one for just going there because it like otherwise just drains your mm. um your efforts. Isn't but... that too heavily weighted to the Hawaii teams? In like that is so heavily yeah. weighted towards tournaments that like 
you know, teams that don't make tournaments all just get hard shafted, to which people might say, well, isn't that the point of being a good team? You should be rewarded. But there's a level as well where, like, teams that go to tournaments get so many points that it just, like... It's tough to keep up. You know, you literally just can't keep up. That's, and that, that already is true for teams like Dallas and Shanghai. That's also, like, I think NYXL is almost the best argument against giving the fourth seed three uh, points because if you think about that, I think they got in at 2-2 that uh, in Jun Joust, and then they won one game upset against Spark. Suddenly you're in, uh, yeah. in, in Hawaii, and then like, you just like, regress to your average level. Like, we just didn't have enough qualifying games in order for you to... Mm. And it's, maybe it's a little bit different in, in NA, because you do have two matches if you're like the bottom seed in order to qualify for Hawaii. In APAC, that unfortunately wasn't the case, and um, they're upset upsets in order to get to a Y were way more feasible uh, or possible. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I, I feel a little bit for the mayhem because I genuinely think like their Countdown Cup was relatively impressive, just like coming back. Yeah, it wasn't and, bad. Um, I guess there's currently an ongoing uh, discussion about strength of schedule. Like I already said, the th my problem isn't with the strength of schedule and how that was figured out and everything. The problem is, as soon as you have asymmetric schedules, you will have issues with competitive integrity. And if you have, sure. if you, I remember Eric and I uh, did, like, based on my preseason power rankings and I guesstimated ELO ratings, they were actually pretty fair overall in terms of, like, how the mm -hmm. schedules turned out. Now, that this isn't the case now after the fact, because some teams overperformed massively and some teams underperformed massively under my personal expectations. That's to be expected. You cannot, like, what are you asking the league to do with, with, once you've accepted that we're just having 16 games where you've got to play four people twice? Is it just like you're, uh, you're assuming they should have the absolute best, like, accurate preseason ELO power ranking, sit in the scrims, and then feed that into IBM, and then come up with a fair mm. schedule? So at the end impossible of the season, that's po impossible. What is possible is creating a schedule that is symmetric, and therefore allows for higher competitive integrity. Now, the question is, does that mean that is, once again, the argument between good and fair or fit, like, can you actually run more, tournament, uh, more games? Is that straining to the players? Um, can you logistically make it work? Is that something that mm -hmm. the viewer wants to see? Does the viewer want to see more games to the volume that everyone plays everyone twice in each region, or three times, depending on uh, APAC? Now, I'm not sure what the answer to those questions is. In in hindsight, an that in hindsight, it's now the problem is yes, I do think strength of schedule had to do a lot with the outcome of this uh, this year. Also, because it determines who qualifies for Hawaii fairly often. Because in the micro of a tournament cycle, it mattered a lot. Mm -hmm. My answer to yes, could answer that question. The hypothetical question and the rhetorical question he had out there was that, uh, yeah, if you increase the number of games and increase the number of broadcasts and you separated the APAC region from the NA region even further to, to, to the point where it was like, you know, LCS versus LCK kind of thing, you just had a totally separate broadcast in a totally separate region who had their own schedule, who weren't trying to time things specifically to be more favorable to NA. No, they just do their own thing and it's like a very separate thing. Um, you just you, you just do you know, your own league almost. You just do a separate league. It's still under the one of Bradley the Overwatch League, but it's a separate, mm. almost like you treat it almost as a separate entity, which they have their own league going on. Um, 
and you you format it based on what would make the most sense for is it eight teams, ten teams, however many teams yeah. it is. Like fuck seven, seven, six teams. I don't care what number of teams it is. It's just like you have your own league and you have whatever number of games you require to make it a fair league. Then yes, you would just you'd be able to play enough. Um, you could do that both ways, and that would apply for both sides, and that would increase the number of games. But the expectation has never been. Little Timmy over here watches literally every single game between both regions. NA NA fans probably only watch NA, and APAC fans probably only watch APAC. And for those fans, I think they wouldn't necessarily mind seeing just a little bit more of their teams per week. Um, and I think the notion of like, well, if you look at it as one singular league, then yeah, there'd be too many damn games. But if you once you remove that context, it's actually not. It's not that many games. It's actually maybe even two little games. Yep. That's just my. I'd probably do a, a lot in the long, like in the grand scope of the league in general. I think like creating a tailored broadcast to those audiences, um, increasing the number of games, kind of doing away with the viewer fatigue specter that kind of looms over us. Because I think you're right. There's probably maybe three teams in your home region that like you watch, and that's it. There's too many dumb opinions in this community to for me to believe otherwise. I, I I refuse to believe that everybody on Reddit and everybody you know in my Twitter mentions watch every game front to back. No, doesn't happen. Doesn't doesn't. No happen. one does that. I no. not not even the talent. I mean, most of the talent admitted. I admit it. I've I've missed plenty of NA games. Sure, I don't watch Valiant. Literally, the only person I know that watches every single game and hasn't missed one is Hex, and that's it. That's the only person sure. I know that's watched every single game. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think there should ever be an expectation that somebody would watch every single game. That shouldn't be the expectation yeah. at all. But that's going to, going kind of off topic here. So we're kind of, oh. you know, giving the postmortem and on, on some of these teams that have kind of been knocked out here. Some of them got knocked out through... Uh, well, obviously, New York had probably the most chance, and I, I generally do agree that they're probably have a higher ceiling than Hangzhou Spark at this rate, but unfortunately New York's kind of exponential rise got capped out and they just couldn't rise fast enough and they missed out due to maps, obviously. Uh, and Hangzhou Spark have had an up-and-down season and look, maybe they'll be able to rescue it. They had a weird game versus Guangzhou Charge, by the way, because there was this really yeah. interesting dynamic where if they allowed the Guangzhou Charge to win by a certain scoreline, Guangzhou would then eliminate New York and then... You know, Guangzhou are uh, a team that's further behind in points compared to Hangzhou. So technically, that's better for Hangzhou if they want to make the play-ins. Or if they don't want that to happen, they should just beat the Guangzhou Charge, get their one league point, and then New York will try and make their way through Count the Cup if they can. And funny enough, Hangzhou Spark did neither of those things, and they lost to the Guangzhou Charge 2-3, which has zero benefit to the Spark at all, which was so yep. strange. And there is a world and a multiverse out there where that completely screws them. It doesn't here because New York then just loses Chengdu as expected. And, you know, we're back to square one and everything in the world is normal again. Um, but that was an interesting kind of dynamic. And otherwise, you know, Mayhem, I think, needed to make the Countdown Cup. Uh, and they bear, they missed out by what scoreline? They were one and three. So they needed to be two and two with a certain map score. Uh, and Mayhem, but they, they, I think the important game for them would have been either one of Houston Gladiators. In hindsight, it's definitely Houston considering how good Gladiators were. So because they couldn't quite do that, actually, Atlanta, they nearly beat Atlanta as well. Yeah. So Mayhem got kind of close. Very that is a close. bit of a shame. Way closer than I think people expected. I thought, I mean, I was definitely on that bandwagon that, like, even if OG came back, like, are they going to be able to, able to, like, scratch the surface and kind of, like, show a good form for these yeah. last games against incredibly difficult opponents again? 
Houston, no slouches. Glads, obviously, we know where they're going. Atlanta, we obviously know where they're going. And they did a bang up job to kind of close up the season. Again, it's a shame. It doesn't, it still doesn't, as goofy as this is going to sound, uh, it doesn't feel real that their record is their record. Like, no. you look at their performances, you remember some of those games. It's like, this is a good team. And then you look at your the record, it's just like, well, well, you, remember, what? You, you remember they also went 0 and 4 in Summer Showdown. That's what screwed yes. them. They went yeah. 0 and 4 in Summer Showdown. Uh, and they lost to Boston, who, look, I'll be honest, Boston were having a bit of a season during that phase. Mm-hmm. They were looking pretty good. So, no, no, uh, no negative words to be said there. But Florida, they lost to everybody. Uh, they lost to Washington. To be fair, Washington were having a great stage as well. So, they caught a really rough timing where Florida was struggling. Is that when they started running the Chad May, by the way? I, my memory is kind of screwed up here. Because um, if, they, if it was, then all the timelines do line up there. But they, the timeline was such that they were struggling while other teams they probably were should have beaten were on an upward trend. Um, let's go to some of the matches that actually happened over the knockout specifically. We'll start with Atlanta-Toronto. We don't want to have to dissect these too hard. We're just like glossing over the general storylines and where we, where we see these teams now. I am so impressively surprised or surprisingly impressed by the Defiant because to me, and I think a lot of people hold this thought, but Defiant have been such a forgettable team this yep. entire year. But Defiant going three and one, which boomed quite a few of my pickups. I, I had some teams beating Defiant for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Defiant, like for example, I will, people will rewind and go back to their previous episodes where I said Paris is going to go four zero, and then maybe I cursed them. They end up going two and two. And one of the teams that they lost to, which I didn't think they would, is Toronto. And so mm-hmm. Toronto, especially if you watch the Atlanta-Toronto game, Nice showed up big time. Aspire was still good. Isu was just a crazy god to Hanzo, apparently. So Toronto, I, again, surprisingly showed up way more than I thought they would. Yeah, no. I, I On all points, I agree. It's been very a very forgettable season for them, and they've very much peaked at the end. I'm glad to see that Nice still has some juice left in the tank. Somebody that coming into the season... Um, I was very excited to see finally, you know, break out on the stage. Didn't have the same performance that uh, I would have liked to see, but uh, yeah, looked good. Um, if anything, I was kind of more impressed with Edison kind of filling in the shoes of Pelican. I thought that this was going right. to be a little bit closer for a semifinals, you know, having Pelican uh, have his uh, collapsed lung, be in the hospital, undergoing surgery um, and, and how Atlanta would look. Um, And this performance in particular put a lot of uh, nerves for me at at ease coming into Countdown Cup, you know, uh, Hawaii proper. Um, This was this was a a very, you know, safe vote for me that, you know, this is still a very competitive team, while maybe not at full power, still can hang with the best of them and pilot a lot of the compositions that are out there. Yeah, Uh, if you remember, like our preseason power rankings, Joe, like I had Toronto pretty low, but I said at the Mm -hmm. same time, like. This might be a pick that just bites me in the ass because they could sure. also be a top five team. And I, to this day, yep. I still believe that not only were they like one or two good, good picks away from being a better mm. team, and I can also tell you they were very close on some of those players that we talked about that are very good, mm. considered very good, right? Like, um, I'm sure, for instance, uh, um, what's the head coach's name? Uh, KDG. 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 was for sure probably interested in Ivy. That's a player that he would have probably liked to take uh, with him from uh, from Fusion. From like, yep. I think they are better backline options um, for the Defiant. Like, just think about the hypothetical of the Defiant getting Shu, for instance. 
Do you think that yeah. season doesn't go differently than uh, than it did? I think they they would have uh, won a lot of tiebreaker games or like close mm -hmm. games for them. Nevertheless, you could argue they got there with Aspire, right? Because that that yes. ended up being the pickup. Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, that was a big one, and I mean, in part, it also makes me feel for Logics, but. I mean, I'm sorry, like, this kid is just popping off beyond belief. I, I, th I think, like, that was one of the most su successful mid-season pickups since Fissure, pretty much, uh, for a team. Probably, yeah. Where, like, he changed the tone around the team significantly, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, it's a bit of an unfortunate th season. Um, I think also some players that had a lot of potential, like, I'm, I'm looking at Michelle that, and Hisu, for the oh. most of the season like i thought they they had more in the tank than they were able to show this season um yeah and yeah, it's, I mean, it's not completely over for them right like they still have play-ins to go through and they still right. can compete and i expect them to do well i don't know and obviously this is a a tangential topic but i don't know that toronto is going to be too far off um of what they're running now it is off but i don't know if it's completely a lot of the lessons learned from this stage um are completely trash canned going into playoffs i, I would still they, rate them kind of high they maybe a sleeper pick for planes maybe i think they can make a run i don't know that they'll make it out but they could upset some teams 100 percent, depending on who they pick or get picked by yeah because they're a team that i think you know Previously, you might be like, "Yeah, you just pick Toronto," but now it's like, actually, maybe, maybe not. Another team, you know, yeah, Outlaws looking a bit weaker. You know, Paris lost to Toronto. Boston not particularly good last stage. Washington look a little weak as well. I think there's a lot of teams that you might be like, maybe we'll pick them over Toronto. So you know, I, I think Toronto might get um, some reasonable matchups. Who knows? I I don't know if they again. I don't know if they make it out of plans, but uh, my my personal stonks on where I think they are have been rising steadily. So I'll be mm -hmm. keeping an eye on where Toronto land for sure. Um, are we, how are we feeling about Atlanta moving forward? Because obviously Edison played Pelican uh, out due to injury. Un unlikely that he plays in the Countdown Cup. We're not going to get too deep into Countdown Cup previews just yet because that comes after we talked about some of this recap here. Um, but Joe, you already mentioned that Edison playing in Atlanta winning kind of alleviated some of your concerns about Atlanta. But that that game was close enough that Atlanta she could have been upset, and Toronto yeah. would have somehow in the countdown cup. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. It was closer than uh, we would have expected about a week ago. Um, that said, uh, I, <laughs> without getting too deep into what I believed. You know, some of the my thoughts on the uh, Countdown Cup tournament itself. Um, I think they'll be OK. I'll put it that way. OK. Um, glad shock. Oh, boy. I think that might have been the game of the that was entire a fantastic knockout. game. That might what be I the game of the entire knockout. Uh, and, and sadly, it does rob attention away from Toronto Paris. Uh, we, we're not going to talk to. I mean, do we is there anything uh, before we actually move too deep? Is is it might, maybe it's worth bringing up Paris at least a little bit here? I think Paris could have had a dream run into the Countdown Cup, and this would have been the mm -hmm. stage. But um, they got—I don't know if um, they didn't get robbed. I think I think Toronto deservedly won that series again. Yeah. Toronto had such an insanely good run in the knockouts. 
that it wouldn't have surprised me if they also upset Atlanta. So maybe I'm not that fully upset by them beating Paris, but I thought Paris were on on for a potential run into the actual uh, Countdown Cup here, especially with Pelican, you know, yep. out for injury. Like either Toronto or Paris maybe could have done it. Could have done it. So 100%. Like, um, I, I don't think you were too far off with Paris. I think they have been steadily climbing since the start of the season, um, which is pretty difficult with how low I think a lot of people put them um, for, I think, fairly solid reasons. Um, I think they've overperformed massively and credit to, again, I think we've been very generous on the show. Credit to that coaching staff, credit to the players for all kind of all coming together um, and, and doing and having a successful season that isn't just over um toronto really kind of leveraged a lot of the dive compositions um you know running the super shimada brothers quite a lot um and, and it really leveraging the fact that paris did look a little gun shy when it came to trying to pilot the ball that didn't seem super uh as aggressive as they kind of started the season with um i thought they were kind of meta leaders in, in na um kind of fell off but uh yeah i thought it was a solid game definitely sure. some good games in here so now moving over to the other side, and you know, because we talked about Paris, we might as well include Dallas. They went 03 versus Shock. I mean, did anyone expect that it was gonna be? I think there's a I think there's a reasonable level there where you're thinking, well, it is Dallas. Yeah. They are meant to be the best team in NA. So surely Dallas kind of just come through the bracket again and make it right. But they lost 0-3. And I think in hindsight, the way you can look at it, you'd be like, Well, I guess that's not so unexpected because Shock looked like they were on a bit of a heater for the knockouts as well. But I mean, does this just play further into the whole Dallas sandbagging thing, maybe? I I really don't think so. I think this is sadly um, kind of a valley for them. And I think a lot of that, as Yiske kind of alluded to, uh, has to do with Fearless not being able to pilot this wrecking ball. Um, it started in the preseason with their kind of show matches in Asia. That's when we first kind of picked up on it. That's when they first started to kind of shift away from it, run the Lucio Moira, run the Winston, really start to find some success there. Now we get to the end of the season and we still have an issue. Um, I do not feel confident from this point forward putting Dallas too deep into playoffs. Hang I on think a second, though. Go ahead. You have to remember playoffs is open meta. So Correct. my personal take on this is some, this is some good, good shit. <laughs> you, Get sure. rid of Huff, guys. I mean, give me a second. We're going to just get the mask out. There it is. Okay. Now that I have the copium, just in case, because people always say, people always say I talk shit about Dallas. Where I'm actually on the yeah. Dallas copium here for once. Um, so, you know, you're, you're talking shit out there. As uh, what I'm about to say is, I don't know that Dallas need to play ball for playoffs. It's open minute. Quite possible. Quite possible. I, I to Lucio. They can play Ryan Lucio. They can play Winston Lucio again. That's their bread and butter. 100 percent i wow. think there's a, a very specific tournament that uh sways my opinion but uh i digress yeah but because do you feel confident like okay yes nyxl showed that you can't that uh shanghai is mortal even if you're playing winston yeah do you trust that that was prime shanghai though do you think they like by not playing ball, you're not putting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent to that discussion. I haven't seen evidence to either side uh, that mm. really sways me. After the fact, though, Dallas won, Shanghai two, in terms of uh, tournament cycle wins, and 
yeah, I mean, the, while it's roman like it's such a romantic idea that you just gotta do whatever you're best at. Like this, it's still a game balance thing, right? Like where yeah. some composition will inherently have an advantage, and I feel it's more likely to be the case for ball than for uh, Winston-centric dives. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how, how I'm feeling. Of course, like it, our our signals are sort of buffed. there's a lot of noise just because of the sem uh, um, sandbagging going on in terms of and maybe sure, some other yeah. teams have figured something else uh, how to beat the, the Shanghai and maybe Shanghai never gets up there and maybe Chengdu doesn't deliver with the crispness and maybe you can play yourself because everyone else isn't peaking uh, to <laughs> the same degree anymore but can I, we, uh, yeah continue finish off what you're saying and I'll, I'll, I'll add to it yeah I, I, I don't know if if we have a clear indication I'm, I'm not sure we'll be sitting here after the grand final going like huh what if Felix never tried ball and they just developed their um, Winston further and brought Pine in and then had a, a little bit more dimensionality to their compositions and instead yeah. spent all this time learning ball, which they could never match Shanghai on anyway, and that was a mistake. Maybe that's a possibility that we will sit here in, uh, in October. Maybe. Possible. I think Yiska swayed me because I just remember the Overwatch patch notes and we're like, okay, well, what patch are we playing playoffs on? Probably the current patches out there. Yeah. So we, I don't know that we have a huge like wacky playoffs patch this time because it's not that wacky. No. Nope. We we have a ball buff, so it's like if ball was already good, oh boy, you better be ready for more. The only thing that that's bad with ball is that he can't staggers. He can't well, he can't stall as much as he could be earlier because the uh, grappling call uh, nerf, where you can't just grapple out of spawn. To be fair, I think that's a very reasonable nerf. Yeah. But his the shield got a big buff seven to nine second duration lines don't stick to walls like holy crap minefield just got a buff um it's not like the craziest buff but it, it made a hero that was already good that much better yep to to uh, i'll agree with you on one thing i think um playoff history in this game has shown that there usually is at least within the overwatch league there usually is kind of two there still is two schools of thought when it comes to something um, I think last year probably is one of the strongest years to argue against this. Um, but the winning team usually can do both. Um, my big issue with Dallas is they can't do what I think is the primary uh, composition that is going to be run. I think they will have that secondary kind of Lucio Moira, very big dive kind of rushdown style that I think they will excel at and uh, make a run. I think they will do well, but I don't know that it's going to be to the same degree that they have in the regular season. I, I I'm a little worried for expectations around this team. I think a lot of people are going to be putting them, you know, going like grand finals, maybe even winning the whole thing. And I, I, there's a big limitation, and that's the reckoning. I don't think they win. I don't think they win the no. whole thing. Absolutely nope. not. Unless another team chokes really hard. Sure. But uh, Eric uh, in the chat brought up something really important, is that Dallas get to play the playoffs at home, literally in the home ground in Arlington, Texas. And sure. they get a second pick of opponent, which helps them a lot. So it yeah, gets them I think it gets them to at least like a semi-final or something like that. To at least, yeah. well, it's double bracket, double, double elim. So the double elimination equivalent of like a semi-final. So like, per, so like winners finals and maybe losers finals. I think they get as far as they're definitely in my mind. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. Big egg wheel. Um, okay, so let's talk about the other team then is the, uh, the, not the, uh, the Shock. Oh, actually, you're Gladiators as well because Shock played Gladiators. They beat the Fuel. Then they play against 
gladiators. And and one thing to add on here as well is that um, I, I I don't discount. I don't think anyone should discount Shock's win versus Fuel. I think a lot of people do because like oh yeah. well, Dallas was sandbagging, so Shock beating them is like you know it's not that hype. It's not that important. You know they got a free win. It's blah 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 blah. It's like well did they? Because Shock still looked like they performed well, and then that was kind of proven by the fact that they had this incredibly good series versus Glads. And before anyone says, like, oh, doesn't that... Well, Glad's is a bad team, and Shock lost to a bad team. It's like, no, they're not. Like, Glad's really played that series quite well. Yeah, okay, they dropped Hanamura and Blizzard World, and there's some issues there. And we could talk about Space getting hooked on Hanamura, which is more so Shock making a great play and a good read. And we could talk about, you know, Space yeeting a grab, hitting nothing on Blizzard World. But aside from that, I, I didn't think it was that bad from Glad's. But Glad's had maybe their best win of the entire season so far versus a Shock that looked very strong. Yep. Um, and either one of them could have made it into the Countdown Cup, and I would have been happy for either one of them. Yeah, I I was very much convinced that after losing their map pick on Blizzard World that I thought the Gladiators were going to crumble like they have in the past and just kind of mentally check out and not show up. Yep. Um, and boy, howdy, was I fucking wrong on Havana. Uh, yep. You have Bergring showing up. You have Space oh, hitting a, a fat bomb to kind of clutch a fight. Obviously, still some some errors here and there to be expected. I, I don't hold that against them at all. Um, I think this is also one of the best matches that Shock has shown us in recent memory. I think Violet coming alive was fantastic. I am a little concerned with what I'm seeing um, on social media, I won't lie. Um, I think this is kind of a gut punch for this team, you know, coming so close, not having the season they want, and now they kind of have to play playoffs. I hope that we can get the same Shock because that that that's a scary team. Um, they're doing a lot of things right. They finally look like the team that won the last two seasons of the Overwatch League, yes. um, and it's it's starting to come alive. Gladiator, the big the big selling point for the Gladiators for me was them coming back and still maintaining form. That was a big plus for me. Yep. Yeah, like this match was so good, and this Shock's performance was so good that despite them having lost. I still, in my mind, have probably doubled to tripled the chances of them getting a three pick. Yeah. Like, if it was two percent before, it's now we're now at six percent or even ten. Right? <laughs> like, like they. He's uh, not wrong. I'm not. I'm not sure. And if you match that out statistically, like, I mean, there's so many teams still left that could theoretically mm. blah blah blah. Um, Such a backhanded compliment. I mean, it's it is it, it's it oh, sounds zero point one before it's now zero point three. Yeah, yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though they, I mean, it, it is still massively uh, un uh, unlikely. But unlikely. like, if they wanted to show me that, I, I couldn't realistically expect them to win Countdown Cup. I think that was probably always going to be past their capabilities. But it it communicates a trajectory that. Makes me never want to pick them early as a, one of the top seeds. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. nah, you'd want to dodge that, and that's that's also where you're kind of like, you almost would have liked to see them be one, like on the other side of the bracket, maybe even getting in the top three, um, which I think is still a possibility. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like the the performance there, that felt like. Okay, while they're not the shock that they were once, 
I still like I the circuitry, the part of the brain that has that part of the shock activated briefly watching these matches. Yeah. And that also speaks to the gladiators that they uh, still were able to win yeah. that. And it's arguably the first performance this season where they fully cashed in on whatever we thought they could be, right? And that yep. to have that before the season playoffs, I, I don't know. Like, if I'm the pay, I'm loving this right now. Um, so, yeah, overall, like, I think everyone, like, enjoyed watching that match. Would have liked to see more of that from those teams over the season, though. I, I was with my Discord community, and like I, in, I specifically remember in chat, I was like, okay, it's not going to happen. Glad's on Havana, mm -hmm. they'll check out. Similar thoughts to what Joe said, really, where I have seen all the entire year this kind of mostly rookie squad of the Gladiators just shit the bed when it really matters, uh, and they, they cannot win map fives. This team cannot clutch up a map five with their lives dependent on it. Um, they choke. They choke. They're, ch they're choke artists, and they cannot stop choking. They are serial choke artists, and that's what it is. And that's what I, that's what I was resigned to. I was like, there's just no way. If this goes to yeah. five, if this even it doesn't have to go to five, we go to Havana. Players have already lost their own map pick. It's done. They're gonna check out. They they, they cannot mentally re recover from that. Mentally, they are boomed way too hard. But then they came back massively. And I was like, hang on a second. And I was even I was even specifically like, just you know, watch this. Um, Glad's on attack on Havana. They'll drop below two minutes. Once they're below two minutes, they'll start getting desperate. They'll start making individual mistakes. People start, you know, trying to do shit they normally shouldn't be doing. Um, and they're going to fall flat and just lose because, you know, their team will just not be on the same page anymore. And they, they didn't do that. In fact, yeah. they made very nice, accurate plays that ended up winning them series. Like, that shoe play on Havana C now is, like, immortalized. Even though, at the time, I think you do that same play with Glad's in Summer Showdown, June Joust, whatever. And I think that would have been like, oh my God, Shu's feeding, what a shit old. He's just lost in the fight now. Um, <laughs> but here, it's just like their team just, they made it work. They just made plays that look like it should be a throw and they made it work. Um, and Glad's, you know, to see, I'm not, one of the best moments, uh, vicarious moments I've had so far this season is watching the play camps afterwards and seeing how damn glad they were. Cause I knew, yeah. and that's not a pun by the way, and I knew, that um, I knew, it just I, I knew it was going to be important because they they needed this one. They needed this to prove themselves that they weren't going to just remain serial choke artists for the entire year. They were going to be able to win a man five when it really counted, and they'll finally make a tournament. And they were kind of living up to uh, the expectations or you know the hype of the roster that's always kind of been there. So I'm very happy to see them do that. And uh, I sent um, you know one of my friends of the league, Face, who's the assistant coach, sent him a. I dropped him a, a let's go in full cap straight away as well because I was hyped for him as I knew how much work they'd put in as a coaching staff to try and get the team yeah. off the ground. Um, so just a good win. I felt really awful for San Francisco, obviously, because I knew sure. whoever loses that was going to be devastated because yeah. both teams needed this. Both teams have not yes, made Hawaii at all. Yes. Um, yeah. And Super Super was facing hands for like a good two minutes. I was like, damn, I feel fucking awful for him. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's competition. It's it's one of those matches that I think is really going to shape uh, what pro what what playoffs really looks like, right? Um, if Glads can continue to ride the momentum, um, if Shock wins this, can Shock you know um, really step up when it comes to playoffs? Was this kind of them awakening? I also don't put it past the San Francisco Shock to be even more hungry um, with this loss in mind. This probably might have been the uh, the one in fifteen billion chances that uh, this is how. San Francisco does the 3P, right? 
I mean, that's a little, you know, it's a little colorful. It's a little flowery. Yeah. But... You've just, you've just activated Yuska with that comment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like how much more hunger can you need when you had this season? You had like, you're like a little bit more 100%. hungry and you're, you're basically starving to death. Right. Like, I don't know if they needed additional motivation to like, oh yeah. I, no, like we, we didn't care. We slept, uh, whatever yeah, the yeah. season. Uh, uh, oh, I wake up three, two against Glads. No, that, that's probably not how it's, how it's uh, working out. I think they had plenty of opportunity to wake up. They just couldn't yeah. figure it out for whatever reason. And while there's there's a tinge of magic in that ma uh, in that match, yeah, I I haven't seen the shock magic where they just like um, turn it around mm -hmm. and win unwinnable fights too frequently. Right. So obviously, Shocker, I think are, are going to be a dangerous team in play-ins. Uh, that's going to be something to look out for indeed. Let's move over towards Eastern Division now in APAC. Yep. Did anyone believe that New York could possibly beat Chengdu in that knockout game? Even Yiska, who has been one of the biggest New York believers, did you even think it could be possible, or are we just all resigned to the fact that Chengdu were 100% going to win that game? Um, so 100% no. I would give it 75-25. Um... I think oh, it's a solid twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. like, like wow. I, f I feel like it's especially like New York showing up against uh, Shanghai, and Shanghai is not necessarily like the style that um, Chengdu plays. But I think there was some potential for them to come together and um, do this. It's also a question: How much did Chengdu want to be in the final four again? And because I also say a lot, <laughs> I, I would say. I think this stage made me realize how important Jinwoo is to this team. Because I think if Jinwoo actually is out of Countdown Cup for them, they would have vastly worse results. Just like based on what, what I heard of uh, scrim results and everything. Now they, I mean, theoretically speaking, this was their best stage, right? Statistically, so far? Did they go I for am. zero? Uh, their first seed, and uh, yeah, they must have been 4 0. Hang on, let me just check yeah. again. Yeah, they were 4 0, first seed, and they won the game in first seed. They've never been first seed before. Yeah, so not only did they also crush whatever curse we believe that was uh going yeah. on, um, fun narrative. So, yeah, no, this is this is I realized Jinmu is really important to this uh team's success, um, and the fact that they could come together. As they did, and yes, they didn't have the hardest stage to be fair, like playing Guangzhou and Valiant, sure. and then also Spark. Like they basically played the bottom four teams in in APAC, right, to get the four zero. So under that context, maybe you think about this differently. But it's also against teams that had a lot to lose. At least like mm -hmm. uh, Guangzhou at that time still had a shot at play-ins. Like yep. the NYXL and uh, Spark, of course, uh, were directly competing for it. So this wasn't easy, and still they made it work, and then they made it work again in the knockouts. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I think this should give a lot of confidence to Ch uh, Chengdu. The only thing I'm concerned about, much like uh, Atlanta, is that they might be overstraining themselves with uh, how many tournaments they went to. Because I will say, for instance, Atlanta's season, let's say they win this one, this, uh, yeah. it doesn't look that much worse than Fuel at all. I think. Like, it's virtually like they participated in the same amount of events. Yes, they didn't make the tournament uh, finals twice, 
That's the only caveat. But if they were to win this one, like, it's not much worse. And for Chengdu, sure. yes, it is. I guess it is uh, definitely worse than than whatever Shanghai has had. But they once again yeah. participated the same amount of times as Shanghai. And then if they were to win, then they would only have one less stage title than Shanghai as well. So, like. The thing is, do you want that before playoffs? And how important is it to get one more week on no hero pools practice and all that type of stuff? Which also sure, yeah. is the question, like, how are you diluting your uh, practice pool when everyone that's outside of the Canton Cup is now practicing without uh, hero pools while you are still on hero pools? It's, it's a weird discussion. Um, yeah. But, yeah, overall, like... I think, and we will c come to that, but I think Chengdu is looking mighty strong at the moment, despite what I expected if you asked me before Countdown Cup. 100%. Um, if you, we already know that. Yeah, I mean, uh, come on. Um, New York, I, I will say it does feel weird to be on the, the closest to Camp New York in this discussion. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, um, did I think that New York was going to beat Chengdu? No. Uh, did I expect them to be kind of competitive a little bit? Um, this was definitely um, not the same match that they first met in. I think it was like week 16, 17, somewhere in there. They obviously played um, leading it was up. the week before. Yeah, like New York has some things about them that I think does match well into teams like Chengdu, um, which uh, we'll get to. Once we get to the uh, the Countdown Cup uh, tournament preview, uh, I don't think I'll be done talking about New York just yet, weirdly enough. Um, but yeah, I, I liked what New York was doing. I thought they had a good uh, game plan to kind of uh, stop Chengdu from doing what they want to do. Um, that kind of revolved around, funnily enough, Kalios. But uh, yeah, I, 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 it's sad. I, I really wanted to see more of this New York and less of uh, what they showed me at the beginning of the season. I think... Uh... New York needed one more stage. I think yep. next stage, New York could hypothetically, if there was a fifth stage, next stage, New right. York would have been dangerous. Yes. But um, they ran out of time. They they couldn't figure out their team fast enough. Mm. Um, I, you know, when, when they finished their entire season, um, unknown, the team manager put up a message and I replied to it and I said something along the lines of, I feel like, felt like you guys always had the potential um, and you were really starting to reach that potential and you guys always could. But, uh, you know, but they just, as I'm saying here, they just, they ran out of time. Uh, window closed, runway was exceeded, and the plane failed to take off, sadly. But uh, a little bit further than that, I'm sure the plane would have been in the air. So it is uh, an unfortunate end for New York. But, I mean, the, the APAC side of things was just a little bit more of a brutal cutoff. If it was mm. two teams being eliminated instead of three, New York would have actually been safe. And then who knows? I mean, maybe maybe they would have made the play-ins, but that's a question that you just aren't going to be able to answer anymore. Um, so their season was a, a slow start, a very slow start, and I will still yeah. hold very close to my, my chest that I think that match versus Guangzhou was the one they needed to win. They failed to win that, and they don't get a better result, and uh, they don't make play-ins because they Hangzhou sparks sneaking with maps. So Hangzhou is safe. Speaking of teams that are safe, Seoul and Philadelphia Fusion, that's our next game. We'll go over that one before we then finally head over to our uh, uh, Counter Cup previews for the tournament. So 
this was the final chance for either of these two teams to make it into a tournament, and neither of them had made it into a tournament. Philly, I will say, still kind of got robbed in the first stage of May Melee because it went 4-0. And the the whole seeding thing, in my opinion, really screwed them because they got the hardest opponent yeah. despite being the number one team in seeding there with the 4-0 record. They got Shanghai they had to play against. So they got robbed by Shanghai. Well, they didn't get robbed by Shanghai. They got robbed by seeding that put Shanghai into fourth. Um, and then Seoul have been to every single knockout. And they've had close calls. Like, they, what, what I think it was Summer Showdown, I believe, where Chengdu beat them 3-2, and two, and that was a hard game. Chengdu mm. nearly didn't win that, and it could have been Seoul. Um, and it came down to like the very last map as well on the pawn on Sanctum. And Chengdu were playing in front of the Shanghai crowd. I think it was a Shanghai homestand. And yeah, maybe they got a homestand buff. Some people could argue that the homestand gives you more pressure as well. So it's a buff and a nerf. But um, Seoul barely missed out. So Seoul have been kind of teetering on the edge for a while, and it feels like this is where the pot finally boils over, and Seoul make it. And you want to know something? Seoul have been the, the far more consistent team this year compared to Fusion. Fusion yeah. as a team, they've had way more lows and way more down moments than Seoul, where Seoul's gone consistently 3-1. and one. Every single yeah. stage, they made every single knockouts, but they've just been been eliminated, mostly by Shanghai. They've been up against Shanghai like twice. A lot. It's just like, damn, dude. Like Shanghai yeah. has really just ruined their, their chances yeah. entirely. I, I think like all the concerns we had because um we hypothesized the the cutoff uh, scenario last season I think uh, it turned out it was more forgiving that uh, than we thought but like Seoul wasn't good looking good last season over the regular season I would have likely not made a lot of these uh, tournaments had it not been for the forgiving uh, season format and then also like towards uh, like season playoffs. Like, that would have also been really hard to get in. They kind of solved their issues in terms of consistency, even though it doesn't really feel like it. But they have a... I think they have the same season record as uh, Shanghai does over the regular season. Um, mm. And that's a big improvement. Yeah. yeah. A big improvement in terms of the... Um, the ability of... I mean, yeah, that's actually true. They like, do. 12 yeah, and 4. Yeah, they actually yeah. do. Holy crap. So, of wow. course, like, Shang Shanghai getting all these league points is, of course, putting them way ahead. But, um, mm. yeah, as you said, like, them be get getting shut down by dragons. It's also easy to see that you maybe land on the other side of the bracket, make it in more frequently, and then you get the bonus points that uh, the Hunters are now having on you, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if a Soul fan can necessarily be, like, really upset about this season. Like, so far, it's been... It's been the best season, regular season that the Dynasty have ever played. Yeah. I would say, um, the, as we said, the tournament format makes that feel differently. But nevertheless, like if you look at the numbers, it's strictly speaking true. Then you were, did they really? Did they have like a game where they shit the bed and lost to like a bad game uh, team? Soul, yeah. Let's uh, literally no. They've lost. Here's who they've lost to. They've lost to Philadelphia, Chengdu. Okay. Shanghai, 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 Chengdu, Shanghai. Yeah. So I, don't I, I don't say it lightly when I literally say when I literally tell you that Shanghai has just repeatedly ruined Seoul this year. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. This is why last week when I made the print that like, okay, even though Shanghai have had a rough stage and Seoul are looking good, Shanghai are winning their matchup. And sure it was close, it was a three and two, but it's another three and two that just like 
would it have really changed anything for for Soul? I think if Soul came into uh, Countdown Cup with slightly worse of a record, would they have had a different matchup? Uh, I don't know that for sure. No, they would have still played fully. And I guess they would have had first map pick and they won fairly against it against them anyway. So yeah, we'll actually say that that last most recent loss versus Shanghai actually had no impact on their um, record at all. So it's a bit what no, I lie actually. They would have been four zero. And then they would have been fighting for a potential first place. But yeah. I think Chengdu would have still had the better map record. So no. Yeah. Seoul wouldn't have had the first seed regardless. So no, it doesn't make any difference. Um Chengdu have actually ruined them a lot this season as well, funny enough. Mm, yeah. And no, I think generally speaking, like I'm not sure how it bodes for season playoffs, to be honest, or count on cup that they haven't like it's, it's weird. You you see it not that often that a team changes their profile from regular season consistent performer and not as mm. high peaks in playoffs when they were before the peak playoff team that made it at uh, uh, at specific points, yeah. right? So I'm not sure where that leaves us for this season, for both uh, remaining competi knockout competitions. Um, so I agree to, to kind of piggyback off what you're saying. Um, I said it once years ago. I'll say it again. I do think that you really can't... Um, remove soul from any discussion with the talent they have on that lineup um whether or not you think their forms on whether or not you think they fit within the meta um they have the punching power they have the potential within them to make some upsets it's not going to be something that you can really predict but you, you do have to kind of mention it right it, it it is what they've signed it is their roster um however I do not uh, have a ton of confidence with this team, even though I think this has been a, a very good stage for them. Um, I think, if anything, they have shown that they are not just a one-comp running team. They, they've shown a lot more flexibility, a lot more jump. depth. Pretty much. Um, you said it, not me. Um, for once. Yeah, it's they, they've shown a lot... What I've seen, um, specifically the, the Zarya against Philly um, in the Philly rematch and knockouts, I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a big fan of how much they're running Winston. Um, I do think it's a crutch. I think it's what got them here, and you can't really take that away from them. But I don't know that this is like prime soul, and I don't know that the playoff patch. It's possible. I, I, I see where Avril's coming from with a lot of the Dallas arguments, and maybe soul can piggyback off that and make a run. but yeah um my soul stonks are very low what about philly right now guys uh the other team in that equation has been philly where Oof. for me the strong point of the team so far at least in that matchup versus soul was hot by alarm mainly hot bizarre um who honestly that zarya was hard carrying yeah. philly across the finish line at various points and you could make some similar argument for alarm but uh a lot of people point out that ikiro summer was pretty weak yeah wasn't particularly strong in that matchup i don't think carpe's tracer has been that strong either uh mano's a passable ball player to be fair i don't think either mano or gesture was really that enlightening on the ball um so yeah it just came down to alarm funny astro kind of looking to diff anima and creative and that's what they should have done on paper but 
Anima Creative had a really insane series where I think mm-hmm. that's maybe the best game that Anima Creative have ever played this season. And you could extend that entire you know, notion to the all of Soul, really. But Philly, to me as a team, this particular stage relied way too much on the Hot Bazaria. Yep. And you could tell how much weaker they looked when Hotbar had to play the Diva instead. Yeah. 100%. I think uh, there were three teams that felt kind of interchangeable to me, and it just kind of felt like certain teams kind of stepped up on the day, especially with Seoul starting um, with a near miss with the Hangzhou Spark kind of having to reverse sweep out a win. Um, that really kind of set the tone for me, for them. Um, but Soul on top also of that... reverse sweeped against Fusion, by the way, so... Yeah. It's like they're 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 there. They get the win, but it is not as clean as what that record really shows. Um, and I think that should say but something. Would you argue that uh, being able to reverse sweep and just as a fun fact as well, I I haven't checked over NA, so I'll just make an assumption. I believe Seoul are the team that have completed the most reverse sweeps of any team so far in the season. A hundred percent a fact oh, in APAC. I don't know yeah. if it's a fact in NA as well, but I I don't I don't remember that any notable reverse sweeps in NA. So it just might yeah, be a fact know. across the league, which means yeah, possibly. I think it says a lot about Soul's ability to clutch and Soul's ability to, right. you know, kind of turn it around when it matters, which is a yeah. huge boon for Soul. Yeah, 100%. I think they, they, they can get it done versus teams. And that's where a lot of this rebuttal kind of lies is they're doing it against teams who are kind of at their level. I don't think you can do the same thing against Shanghai. I don't think you can do the same thing against, you know, a prime fuel. A lot of like the upper mid pack teams in NA, that's a, still a difficult ask. And I think that's going to plague them when it comes to uh, countdown cup. If I'm going to tease that a little bit. All right. Cool. Are we ready to go to our preview of the tournament? Sure. Are we there yet? at the mouth. So this is where I've, uh, I'm still working through my pickums. I'm not 100% locking in just yet. Mm. And I and I based on these discussions, I might actually think about changing a couple of things as well. But I'd um, be interested to know where everyone's at regardless. So let's uh, break down what we're what the tournament structure actually looks like. So it is going to be uh, Chengdu, Seoul, Atlanta, Gladiators in the specific bracket is Seoul, Atlanta first. And then Gladiators versus Chengdu uh, on the other side. And then obviously the winners playing each other, the losers playing each other. Um, Seoul Atlanta, we'll dive into that matchup first. So we just talked about Seoul. We talked mm. a little bit about Atlanta, but we didn't dive into where else we think they're going to go. So Brad Sefi has already come out and said uh, Pelican is not flying to Hawaii. And if he plays at all, which is not confirmed, he'll be on 160 ping. So Pelican may not play at all, and if he will, he'll be heavily disadvantaged. How do we feel about that matchup with that context? Um, feeling pretty good for Atlanta. Um, oh, really? Yes, yeah, do you want to kind of give uh, initial thoughts? Um, well, okay. Is it, I'm... Slightly confused by what you mean. Um, I think, okay. I think yes. What we learned last week is that very clearly Atlanta is more than just a Pelican show. I think we yep. all knew that, but like viscerally, sure. we yeah. might have not understood that. Um, I think 
Atlanta is just very unique in how they play. Like they fully opted into the uh, their um, style. I'm not sure if you're going to have the ability to practice as much against the comps they're running, which might uh, be a boon to them. Um, mm -hmm. Also, during Hawaii, once again, like scrim pools are fairly limited because I assume a lot of teams will be scrimming uh, no hero pools. So I think that weighs into it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and just by that, by the unfamiliarity of those compositions, I think that will be a problem for Seoul. Um, we'll we'll see. Like once again, I I tossed my I tossed some numbers into my pick and bracket, but sure. I I don't feel bad about uh, Atlanta's chances here. I think they were my favorites for that match. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like I think this is very much a a very easy win for Atlanta. Um, I don't expect when the, the Winston Zarya is specifically on control, and I think they ran it on Volskaya to be effective against Atlanta. Soul seems to me um, they, they look the most comfortable when they want to play Arissa. And I don't think you want to be Arissa mirroring into a team like Atlanta, who has kind of like paved the way for this composition to become what it is. Um, I think with that in mind, and then you add on top uh, fun fact, that uh, Seoul has a 44% win rate on Escort. Um, yeah, I have this going 3-0 Atlantis way with a draw on uh, 2CP. I don't like either of their assaults all that much. Um, I think Assault, this this uh, tournament cycle is going to be hard for a lot of teams. I think there's going to be a lot of like really weird results on, on 2CP. So um, yeah, I, I do not expect Seoul to really do a whole lot. Hmm. I have not been a fan of what Sol been running recently. I don't know that they necessarily do that again because I think that's maybe something they prep for Philly. But if they keep trying 100%. to force a two-u Zarya, uh, which is it's not bad, but it's just like I, I think Zarya is such a trap in this tournament. Zarya is not a hero you want to be leaning towards. Um, what else have been Sol doing? Yeah, I'm not have not been a big fan of playing Winston this minute. I think you got to go hard Arissa or a hardball, yep. you know. I think those are the two tank options. I think if you're playing Winston, again, you're going to get trapped. Either Winston or Zarya in your tank lane is, is to me, a losing combination this tournament. So, Sol were playing a lot more Arista previously, but then in the, in the most recent game versus Philly, yeah. it just kind of got rid of the Arista. I don't know why. It was, so. it was really bizarre. And, and to echo your point, I do think there was probably something about that Philly match that they felt comfortable kind of just mirroring them. Um... Yeah, maybe they're just playing the Philly. Philly, I, I don't know. It could be. I don't know why they feel comfortable doing that. I think that they could have easily put them away with um, what they've shown um, with the gestures of Rissa. I don't think you need be to be clear, running European stuff. Even if Sol were playing Arissa, which was what they were mostly on, I just think Rain have the better Arissa comp. Rain's yes. Rain's is like Arissa's the bread and butter. Like this is what the team's yeah. built on. So that being the case. Yeah, I think I got to give this one to the rain as well. I think I do. I think this is this is going to be a rain dominant matchup just because uh, Souls' recent games and what they've been running just don't seem great. And rain, even without Pelican, can still do a Kai Edison bunker composition mm -hmm. with, with the Gator Rissa, and that will that will be enough. I still want to give Soul a point here because I think you know it's it. I, I I'd like to give them some sort of benefit of the doubt. Sure, I, I don't know yeah. that I, I'm comfortable to giving like, like a full sweep yet, but. It's got to be rain. It's got to be rain. So I think we're all unanimous there. Uh, Glad's yeah. Hunters. 
wants to give the start on that? This one again, I got I have a lot to say. So Yiska, if you no, no. wanna go chime on. in. Go on. I, I'll okay. just add to this. Um, do your thing. Do your thing. Much much like I think it was in May that uh I think it was Chengdu and Dallas had paired up. Um and I said that whoever wins that match is going to win the tournament. Um or or set the tone, let's put it that way. I think that we all probably are, are leaning the right one direction when it comes to who's probably favored for this tournament. Um, but this is going to be a really big tone setter for me for glads. If they can come in, kind of ride the momentum, really show up against a, a top, again, a team that I think a lot of people are putting as their favorites. Won't spoil who we've got, but if the glads can come out and show out, I do think um, out of the pairing, of the Gladiators and the Atlanta Reign, I do like what Gladiators does potentially, right? They have the highest potential. I just can't count on them to reach that potential throughout this entire tournament against all the odds, not all the odds, but with all the stakes in mind against such like difficult competition. I don't know if I'm trusting them um, just off of one really, really good performance against yeah. the Shock. Um, this is going to be a big tone setter. I do have this going Chengdu uh, 3-1 but I wouldn't put it past the gladiators to really kind of take the hunters close. If there's a team to take the hunters close, I do think it's the glads. I actually think the team that takes them the closest is Atlanta, but we're not could, there yet. Could do, could do. I, I have Chengdu. I actually have them going three zero here. And the reason for that is because I, I think they, the stylistic matchup here is they're going to be similar, but Chengdu is just a better version. Yes. Chengdu yep. are going to be the better version of glads. Everything that both teams do, Chengdu, in my opinion, does it better. Mm -hmm. Um far is gonna is is gonna be miles ahead of Kipster Far. I'll just say it now. Um and beyond that as well, I mean Paul I like I I like Muse. I don't like him enough to say he's gonna beat Gaga or Amung. Like you yeah. could literally put Amung in there, he'll beat Gaga, he'll beat Muse as well. Yeah. Um I love Spex, great player, but Late Young's on a fucking heater. Late Young's on a different level this tournament. Uh let's talk about the back line. Mercy, so good. Mercy or Brig on Chengdu, I think they got both in the bag. Yep. Both both Ningxian Yvalto just rock that role so hard. Monk's on a heater as well. Leave is leave. This team is stacked. I, I, I don't, I just can't, I can't see it. I can't see any area where LA Gladiators have a clear advantage versus Chengdu. Chengdu is literally just a better team across the board in the same metrics. So, I guess Shu is just three zero. It's a three zero. Yeah, but like, what is Shu gonna? Man. What is Shu playing? Like, is he? Are they gonna yeah. force a bat? Bap. Yeah. The like, one that, that, thing. That's, what they gotta, that's the only thing. Yeah. The oh, and I am cracking out the 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 yoga tapes, doing some kickboxing. I am reaching for this when I say that I do like the adaptation that Glad showed us versus the Shock on Blizzard World specifically, where they brought out well, they drew Shock into a Arisa mirror and they played double flex supports. Chengdu is gonna have some issues with that, but I don't think that's gonna be enough to like really. If you run double flex support, leave goes tracer, and you're gonna have a problem. Yes, it's yeah. a different story against one hundred percent. It's a different story against the shock. Where let's face it, their tracer specialist has not been all there. Yeah, um, has not looked like the ser the same kind of carry performance that we see against top teams like Dallas, like Shanghai, like mm -hmm. Chengdu, right? Yeah. Like. It's it's different. It's just different when you have somebody like leave bearing down on you. Yeah, I I have I, I can nitpick with the hunters, but we'll save that for for later on. So Yiska, where are you at with this? I 
I also say Chengdu, but I'm not sure if it's going to be as easy as a 3-0. I think, generally speaking, yes. The, the problem is, like, yes, you are playing a pretty similar style. The problem also is there just weren't that many good ones in NA that you could have practiced against, played against in real matches. Do you actually know the mirror, how, how that's going? Do you understand, like, if you, even if you're throwing curveballs, like... There's nobody better in the world, as we discussed, in, uh, to have on the server in order to adjust the DPS picks as leave. I don't know how you strategize yourself out of that. And unfortunately also, uh, Gladys has the tendency and has demonstrated the tendency of over-strategizing themselves out of comp uh, comp uh, competitiveness. I'm almost talking myself down from the 3-2 score. I think it will be a good match, but... Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't. It feels like a 65 Chengdu. You know, you know the funny thing is, in terms because you brought the idea of practicing versus ball. What's funny about that is Chengdu hunters, which, and by the way, they have an academy team which they can get any scrim anytime they want, and they can tell their academy team, "You specifically run this against us, and we, we're going to practice that." Uh, but beyond that, they have 11 players on their team. All they got to do is pick up one extra member from their academy squad and say, like. Hey, is it? I can't remember who it is. Is it Riven that's currently playing uh, on Chaser? Uh, anyway, that sounds right. Yeah. Whoever it is, they just say, "Hey, do you want to just sub for a game?" And they run Among versus Gaga, and you have the yeah. two two best ball players in the world scrimming against each other. You want to talk about scrimming a mirror and practicing a mirror, bro? You have the two best balls outside of Fate, and you get to scrim that against each other. Like, how 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 much better practice could you ask for? Yeah. In terms of Chengdu, no, they they are the fuck. If they are not the Masters, the grandmaster of that mirror. I don't know who is. Yeah, because they are, they are they are the few, one of the few teams that can actually do that. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so we are we unanimous so far? Cool. That means uh we can we can cleanly discuss okay. our next couple of games. Uh, Sko loses. Yeah, L one first. Okay, L one. Uh, who loses between who goes home without a single point? And just by the way, here's implications here. Chengdu and Seoul are fighting for second seed in their respective region, that gets them directly to Texas. So Seoul really need to get one over Chengdu to, to make that second seed. Otherwise, they're going to be in play-ins. Uh, and looking over towards the NA side of things, there is a three-way race between yep. Shock, Rain, Gladiators for the top two seeds out of fuel that go directly to Texas. One team beyond Shock, Atlanta, and Gladiators will miss out of that. And here's the fun part. Shock, are actually, Shock and Atlanta are on 12. Glads are on one. So if Glads lose this matchup that we are predicting versus Seoul, mm. they are automatically out of playoffs and they have to go plans instead. So let's just keep let's just use that context a little bit and just think about that. Um but yeah, okay, let's talk about the matchup here. We have Glads versus Seoul. Um again, a lot of the same points kind of echo home. I think there is a very clear uh, meta tier list, if you will, of of compositions that I think you need to run to kind of check the boxes. Um, and I don't think Soul checks uh, like half the box, right? Like there's three boxes. There are, there's probably two boxes. Um, and and Soul just does not have the other half of what they need to to kind of be competitive. Um, I've given them one map specifically on two CP because I think that Temple of Anubis can be one map where you start to see either Wrecking Ball or Zarya. Probably, if I'm going to place a bet on it, it's probably going to be Winston Zarya. 
really kind of land nicely on a bunker composition that glads probably are, are very likely going to run um and, and that could cause some upsets but overall i think glads is comparable if not better when it comes to the bunker style i think they're very much more dive leaning which soul has looked kind of suspect on and that's not to their fault i guess for the most part um i i would have loved to see them integrate marvel in a little bit more when it comes to like the ball strategies but there again you kind of lose flexibility on points where you want both ball and arissa right you kind of are, are telegraphing one way or the other so i understand and i've been a big proponent of bringing gesture back in specifically for the winston but against these top teams i don't think it's uh enough of a consistent punch let's say uh to to really put some of these top teams away and uh yeah i have glads going three one and knocking soul dynasty out right you want me to go go first or you go Um, next yeah yeah so i i i just yeah similar thoughts i just don't have faith in soul this tournament in terms of what they've shown me so far i think they're a clutch team i think they're going to try really hard but uh, you know i've i've seen them lose to better teams plenty this season Chengdu, yeah. Shanghai, predominantly. Um, it's just a case of, you know, this is a team that uh, they don't have enough highs. Like, their best players is the Profits duo, which is great. But, yeah. fuck me, man, I don't I think the Profits can carry you here. I don't think they're going to be in, uh, it's enough. You can run the Tracer Sombra. But, like, Gesture Ball is not going to get you enough distance. I, I think Glads are peaking a little bit. Um, it's kind of whack because I think uh, I think I've Generally speaking, Seoul have had a, a pretty phenomenal regular season. I'm actually trying to just check in right now who's had a big, better regular season. Seoul has had a better regular season by Glads by one match. Neither yeah. team has been to Hawaii. This is the first time either team has been to Hawaii. So as much as I want to ride the narrative of like, oh, you know, Glads are not a trustworthy team. They choke a lot. To be honest with you, Seoul have also failed to make Hawaii yeah. plenty of times. Even though the reason Seoul have failed to make it is because they always go up against mm-hmm. Shanghai or Chengdu's teams. Um... Push comes to shove, though. Uh, you know, you put a gun to my head. I'm like, I, I just feel better about Glads here. I think they they can play what I consider to be the meta a little bit more comfortably, um, and they've shown me more looks in terms of the 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 hero pools that that give me that reason. And you know, the the recent match they played as well, just it was good. Whereas I, I think Seoul beating Philly, the way they beat Philly and what they had to play to do it, just doesn't give me the same confidence. I, I go Glads here as well. I think Seoul go home. So, I go Soul here, and the reason is, boy, it's like by them losing to Chengdu, and it depends on the manner in which they do it. I think it mm-hmm. almost proves the case that they will have a, a a problem, not specifically against that meta, but against it. It might make a statement towards regional strength. Um, okay. I don't think that we can expect uh, necessarily for Glads to run a stronger bunker style. I don't think that's a given at all. I think yep. if I'm if I'm looking at peak peak performances of DPS who are engines of bunker style comps, then I sure. take profits every single time. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what, what we can say about trajectory at the moment. Um. I do think it will be close. I have this mm-hmm. three, two, four for Seoul. I do factor in that one team needs to travel uh, uh, yeah. at the same time, right? And has That's to fair. 
potentially also figure once again like i think the scrim situation is going to be very challenging i'm not sure if they're going to find top tier uh for instance korean contenders teams to scrim against and try their stuff out it's also unfortunately and i mean this has come up in our post-match interview several times if you are practicing against apac teams you cannot or okay let me not say this let, let me not single out if you're practicing against a team of the other region, your strategies yeah. are now no longer secure. And yeah. once again, the Gladiators are a team that love to throw curveballs and do a lot of the, on the coaching side, and you cannot practice your curveball compositions uh, there. Now, the thing is, like Avril said, like he can't see like how profits wins through that there. I think. That yeah, like theoretically speaking, I, I don't I don't hate I don't hate people saying like Kefsa could could stand up to profit um in, in those duels. I think depending on what, what is being run and where you put Kefsa though, like then you yeah. you might have to you know, maybe the, the comparison there is more uh, towards like maybe Bertring even. And there mm. I feel way better about this. So I guess I right. will end this on. The reason why I'm picking this is mm. you guys kept sleeping on profit and will wake up to a nightmare. Oh, I thought you were going to say scrim bucks, but that's a good <laughs> one. I like that too. I don't sleep on profit at all, man. I, I, it's the only issue is like um, it's the rest of the team, dude. It's the rest of the team. And, and yeah. yeah, everyone's going to be like, yo, Avril, didn't you just compliment Anima and Creative? I'm like, I guess... But actually, it's the tanks. It's like I don't know. I don't know if I trust Gesture and Tuyu currently. Tuyu needs to make sure he's he's definitely on a diva. And and yeah, I mean, if he does that, is it enough? It's possible. I I just I have a lot of faith issues still with Soul after this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I just I'm being maybe I'm drinking the Glad's Kool Aid. This is actually a very coin flippy game, but not Here, nearly as coin flippy as the next one because we all did agree what? it was going to be Atlanta versus Chengdu, guys. True. The, the yes. one thing is, Abril, very if. Yes. If if Seoul doesn't win this game, I will of course still blame you for jinxing me over the season <laughs> with the Seoul curse. I did. Wait, you you understand? You are the one that's still going for Seoul repeatedly and not me. Yes. So, yes. Like this is this is all you now. Like, uh, I feel like you have no one to blame but yourself. <laughs> <laughs> one last yeah. thing with Seoul. Yeah. And and this isn't even a good thing, so uh, forgive me. Okay. Um, I think New York deserved this spot. In a perfect oh. world, I think they would have been more competitive. I think I like what they were doing overall versus a lot of the dive compositions. I think they match well into a team like the Gladiators, um, and I'd be much more charitable to them um, against the Gladiators. I still think they probably lose, but I think it's a right. lot closer than Soul's probably going to show. But yeah. Okay, so Atlanta, Atlanta Chengdu. So I'll, I'll start yes. this time. To me, a very coin flippy, and I just think Atlanta have one of the best cases for being in Chengdu style. And the reason for that is because Atlanta have, uh, I trust Kai a lot. I got a lot of faith mm. in Kai. Um, I think Atlanta are also a team that has a good affinity to run the fire, even though I don't know that they will try and run that too much into Jimmu. Um, but I think their practice on that, I think Pelicans are, has been a really good fire player. I don't think Pelicans is as good as Jimmu. And that's probably why they might not want to run the mirror, but I think they'll. But I think they have an understanding of how they might want to try and counter Jimmu, and they may be the one, one of the few teams that can successfully do that when other teams have just greatly failed at, at touching Jimmu at all. 
So Kai might be the might be the answer. He might be that that silver bullet that finally shuts down Jimmu and forces him to swap. Uh, also keeping in mind that he map pulls and choosing maps based on you know who loses when is going to matter as well. If you can you can force away the faro maps as much as possible, that's going to work towards Rain's favor. Um, however, I I. I... <laughs> I still, I still lean ever so slightly for Chengdu here. I, I think Chengdu just have that buff right now. Again, I think mm. they are zero holes in their team. They get to play with their full roster. I think Atlanta, whether they have Pelican or not, if he's on, it's 160 ping. If, he, if it's not on, it's it's got to be Edison Kai, which is still strong. But I think Atlanta would need to be at full strength anyway just to beat the Chengdu Hunters, and they're not going to be at full strength. And I don't want to say that's the only reason here, but... Um, Atlanta are going to be very heavily reliant on Arisa-based compositions, and Chengdu, it's not like they don't play Arisa either. I don't I don't know that they're as good or better on the Arisa, but I, I think they're practice. I think they know and understand how that works, and I think both teams are going to walk into this matchup very prepared. Uh, I think Chengdu don't have to do too much prep for Glads, knowing that Glads probably run very similar things, and Chengdu, again, as I said earlier, are like masters or should be masters of that mirror, uh, and I think mostly they can spend more time assuming it'll be rain, and uh, Rain can, you know, I, I think Chengdu are a reasonably easy team to read as well in terms of what they want to play. So both teams, both Rain and Chengdu, Hunters, I, I expect them to be very well prepped versus each other in terms of what's going to happen here. Um, but I, I, I just think Chengdu's looking way too good this tournament. They are looking way too powerful, and I just can't can't see them losing this tournament. Yeah. So yeah. i got to give Hunters. Big agree. Um, a lot, agree on a lot of sentiments. Um... I think Atlanta in particular, like you said, uh, I think they kind of fall into a similar position that Dallas has kind of uh, this season. I think that Pelican not being able to be fielded um, will draw out Kai. It's going to have to, obviously, but um, it was one of the big narratives. It was going to be Pelican Kai originally, anyway. Right. Um, I, I think that that was a lot of the worry that I had. What was it, last, last tournament against... Uh, there was there was some circumstance where I was concerned with Chengdu facing Atlanta during the summer showdown because of Kai. Um, this go around, I think the Chengdu hunters are are really just uh, too flexible. Um, I do put a lot of stock into their Arisa compositions primarily because Leave is an absolute nut on Hanzo. Um, however, um, before I nitpick on the Chengdu hunters, I do have them winning three one. Um, I actually don't expect a lot of Farah, funnily enough. Um, I think they're probably just going to try to match uh, Arissa as much as possible and avoid the Farah specifically against Atlanta. Um, so in that way, I kind of also expect a lot of Genji, weirdly enough. Um, they seem to kind of want to kind of shove that in as much as possible with a Mercy Pocket. Um, so yeah, and... <laughs> The one area that I think Chengdu can kind of trip themselves up in is really trying to find a place for Jinmu that isn't on Farah or Sombra. And because Leaf has shown so much, um, or because they've piloted Leaf on Sombra so often, um, I am slightly concerned that there can be weird swaps happening, um, specifically in uh, their first match against New York that kind of happened a lot, where you saw Jinmu on Tracer and not something that I really care to see all that much. Um, so I think there is some room for Atlanta to kind of leverage. I don't know how strategically you can leverage that, but, uh, I, I think, again, this is very much, uh, the ball being in Chengdu's court. I, if there was ever a match that you probably won't see a ton of Farah in, it's probably this one. 
and I don't think that hinders them all that much. I definitely think if Jimmu doesn't play far, he actually goes closer to the Sombra than the Genji only because of the matchup. Yep. I, I think uh, Genji plays kind of poorly into a bunker. That's just hundred percent. Specifically in the bunker, he he is not going to be picking Genji. I think it's more uh, on specific, what is it, hybrid maps, and then right. on two CP. So like on Temple of Anubis, where you don't want the Tracer, you don't want him on Tracer, but you still want to have kind of a verticality threat, somebody that can be super mobile. You'll see it more often than I yeah. think you will, or would right. have expected. Jessica, your Atlanta Chengdu thoughts? I think once again, this will be um, will be pretty close. I think, like, yes, the, the idea, like how the Farah-Kai matchup works out in my head i think that works sometimes and then i mean it, yes it's highly map dependent i think chengdu is also smart enough to like switch off if they realize that uh this is not going to be yeah. a thing that is going to be um uh successful, successful for them i think they were <sighs> maybe i'm wrong but i feel like chengdu are, are a team that out of themselves without coach interaction between maps can make that decision pretty uh, quickly. I think that's also an impact that Leaf has on this team, just understanding that that game um, on a high level. So, yeah, I have this 3-2 for Chengdu, but I could also see this being a little bit more decisive in, in their favor. Mm -hmm. I have 3-2 as well, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's close. I hope, I hope it's a 3-2. I, th I would love to see an that's, absolute... Uh... Let's get some hypotheticals for the lower lower finals here. Uh, we'll do two versions of this, and uh, Joe and I will do the Glad's Rain matchup, and then Jessica, okay. you can talk about a Rain Soul matchup. Right. Um. So Glad's Rain. I'm on the group here. I got Glad's. <laughs> I'm oh, on some okay. Shit. I am on some shit for this. I I don't know, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm like, I'm sipping up. I'm real huffing some Glad's. I don't know why. I'm. I mean, I don't. I, there's nothing to be. I, oh, no. I I don't hate that. I don't have it going that way. I have Atlanta in five, but um, yeah. If 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 Los Angeles can come out strong against Chengdu, I think I'd be willing to be a lot more charitable. I'm still very gun shy with the Gladiators. I still think again, big pressure match. Your back's against the wall. You could very well go home. Yes, you got a league point, but this is the Atlanta Reign. This is this same team. Uh, it might actually be the same team composition that they're forced to play that knocked you out the last time, not get you to Hawaii. Like, I think they got some demons to overcome that I don't know that they're prepared for. They very well could, but I'm not willing to give them that vote. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's tough. I think, I think this is one of those, you know, misaligned, my brain wants something, my heart wants the other <laughs> thing again. It's you true. know, I've had this moment before, and it's just like, um, my brain says that Rain should probably take this one, but my heart just goes glad for some reason. I just, uh, I'm on that, I'm on the level. I'm, I'm like, I look at this and I think about it. I'm like, honestly, I think Shu can match Shu matches and maybe overtakes Iris here easily. Sure, sure. I, I think Burgering is uh, is more than a capable. Burgering's pretty fucking nuts. Kevs is pretty nuts. Um, I also think Glad's like if they look at what Chengdu because we're assuming in here that you know we all agree that Chengdu beat Rain. Yeah. I think uh, I think I think Chengdu give Glad's the blueprint in a way. Okay. Um, and and that you know I also think Rain just again a Rain with either a high ping or no Pelican is still just a nerfed Rain. Yeah. Like that that to me does impact how Rain are gonna play here. I just think uh, I just think. Without Pelican, I don't. It's not that I don't think Edison is good enough. I just think this is not 100% strength rain. 
if there's any good time for them to get upset by a team like Lads, it's, it's going to be here. It's going to be this one. Yep. There is a lot glads. of. I got three two Glads. There's a lot of openings that either team can really kind of leverage. Um, it, it really is. This feels like the for me in my bracket. I think this is the final. I think we're in my mind, um, doomed to another kind of like semi-final lower bracket. All stakes are on the table. Last match, last fight. It's going to be a barn burner. Um, and yeah, I have it going Reigns way. But again, I agree with a lot of the points that Avril's saying. Uh, Glads can bring this home. It really is who you like on the day and which uh, which deficit you think will impact the given team less. Does Pelican impact... Um, but, but does Pelican not being there impact the rain more than Gladiator's history? Yeah. It really kind of dis is decided by that because I like both teams. I think one is Arisa leaning, one's more dive leaning. Those map picks are going to be traded back and forth. It it's going to be a an insane match. Jessica, uh, rain soul is your matchup. Oh, I, dude, I I'll be honest. I just put some numbers in there for that one. And <laughs> because I, I truly think okay. that feels like a 50 50. Oh. Um, okay. You are high on soul, damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also way, because of the Pelican. This is a rematch of the winner's round yeah. one. The, the opening game is Rain Soul. So we're doing that again. We're doing the rematches. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, Soul can. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I. I the, the Pelican argument is, of course, like, exceedingly strong. I'm also and thinking. Travel. They have to travel. Like, I'm also thinking, like, what kind of heroes would Pelican play and how much would that be impacted? And that also isn't boding well. I don't know. I still feel like Atlanta wants it a lot here. Um, sure. Like, I don't know. I, th I feel like... I mean, both teams want it a lot. Yes, but I will say, like, if you're a team that has been consecutively to Hawaii and then you never get much out of it, I think there's a different type of relationship you have to that experience than those okay. teams that yeah. get here for the first time, right? Um, yep, yeah. I see that, I see that. Yeah, I... Like, I... I the, the distribution, if it's 3-2 Soul or 3-2 Rain, I'm almost indifferent, but I said uh, Atlanta's going to make it to the final. Okay, so you gotta... Okay, so let's talk about the final now. Um, we have the same final. You have... No, we don't. I have a Glad's Hunters final. Oh, that's right. Yes. Forgot. All right, well, you guys, you guys have the Rain uh, Chengdu final. You guys go to that first, which, by the way, is a repeat of the winners' final. So yes, yeah. How you guys? Um, how you guys seeing this one go? I give Rain a little bit more credit, but I again, I don't think this is close. Um, I think Atlanta probably learned from their first match. Again, I still think control in this meta can be very uh, first fight centric. Um, so there's a lot of worlds where Atlanta can kind of squeak in some extra maps here. I have it for two Chengdu, um, but there again, I, I really have a difficult time with how deep the Chengdu Hunters playbook goes. Um, I think Atlanta is going to be traveling, is going to be lacking Pelican, um, and that's no fault of theirs, right? This is this is not something that the you can really kind of measure and count on. Um, and, and kind of uh, prepare for. Um, but still in that way, the Chengdu Hunters uh, are, are the best team in this meta, and it's not surprising. Um, and I don't think this is uh, going to be all that uh, crazy, I guess. Uh, again, I think the finals really is 
or what feels like the finals is going to be glad's atlanta in the lower bracket um and this is going to be kind of again a lot of the same thing that you saw in winners round two yeah i i even have it for one chengdu i think this is a typical case where the team that has already like played each other i i, I think that almost helps chengdu more i think the the surprise factor of kai coming in will be much more sure. figure, figure, uh, figured out the second time around. You also have the le leisure of just like getting to sit back, having a little bit more of a reset mm -hmm. before the final, um, getting to watch the match against Seoul. Um, yeah, I don't know if you, if you can find the momentum again uh, in that case. I think, generally speaking, yeah. I, part of me thinks like, what am I on that I think... Atlanta Rain will make it to the final without Pelican, at least in in batch in in playable shape on, in terms of ping because I know what ping does to players, and especially sure. if you haven't played the entire season on this, and I, I almost have to assume that they're going to uh, have to play on uh, without him. But I don't know. It's also like. It truly feels like because the big dogs are not here, this is mm. an easier tournament to win. That's my gut feeling yep. here. And of the teams that are second row, Chengdu is just clearly the best one out of them, in, in my mind. So um, I think Atlanta, generally speaking, not sh I'm not a big believer in, in bunker style comps also when it comes to season playoffs. This, yep. is, this is Atlanta's chance to prove me wrong. and show that their approach to the game like their their game plan their decision to not get off the um the bunker style and also practice ball themselves potentially was the best decision yeah. for themselves and if they can make it to the final i can almost entertain that to be a successful thing um but yeah it's it's also always down to like what do you want out of the final do you want to go far or do you want to have a chance of winning the final and I think if you right. want to go far, you're playing uh, Bunker all the way through, also in, in season playoffs. If you want to uh, win the final, I think that's a strategy that's less likely to bring, uh, bring success. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think Atlanta just go back to Lucio in the playoffs anyway. Uh, it's just me, though. I think uh, all this non-Lucio crap gets solved by the open meta. Um, Hunters Glads, very easy matchup. I straight up just go back to the round one game again. Same argument here. Look, guys, hunters are like the same as glads, but better in every single area. So, yeah, it's dude, it's too easy. It's a four-one for me. I'll give glads the one because I think they're a good team. Mm. Um, but it says a lot that I have a four-one, meaning that Chengdu are just gonna be too vastly superior in this mirror. Yeah, uh, gladiators have no opportunity to practice this mirror. Chengdu are masters of the mirror. They're better in every single role for the mirror. I don't, I don't, I just can't see it going any other way. Uh, it's a Chengdu victory. But, you know, I, I think the weakness in my bracket is that I think Atlanta, even without Pelican, actually can still make a final. Yeah. That's why mm -hmm. I have, like, two, three twos here for both the Atlanta games. But I just think they get edged out. And maybe maybe I'm silly for that. But um, I think I think your arguments were, you know, as you admitted to as well, you're like, dude, how can how can Atlanta go to the finals without Pelican? I think that's equally valid. So I mean, both sides just seem pretty, pretty true. But... Um, where we all land is, I think we all are unanimous that Chengdu win the tournament. And yep. that Seoul won't make the final. Yep. Yeah, so it's either Glads or Rain in the final, Chengdu win it, and Seoul are not there. That's where we all land.
Yep, but uh, I was kind of arguing power rankings coming into this tournament, and I'm like, number one and number four feel very confident, and then Glads and Rain are like, it's matchups, it's styles, it's who takes first the map. It, it it really is is very very tight. And again, I think that that's the matchup that you're gonna not want to miss. Um, the finals, granted, we'll see, but uh, yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting. I think this is gonna be a big a big finale for the regular season as we uh, crawl into playoffs. It should be fun. Cool. Uh, any closing thoughts for the week? I mean, we're kind of covered everything here. We were pretty detailed on our preview here as well. Uh, we've actually gone through all, all the matches. Um, what else have we got to look forward to, really? What else is there? I, I think this is going to have a lot of implications for playoffs and play-ins. Yeah. So I think really here, what it means is Chengdu will snag that second seed. They will go to Texas straight away. Seoul don't get that. Uh, that, by the way, is a big boon for Chengdu because if they have to go through play-ins while having to go pretty, while having to prep for Hawaii for the Countdown Cup, I mean, that's a, that's a burnout schedule. Yeah. We talked about the fact that Chengdu have had three tournament showings this year. And I mean, a burnout could be a real factor. Them getting a much required break by then not having to play play-ins and skipping that entire phase is much required. Seoul, unfortunately, to be fair, they haven't been to a tournament, so maybe they're not on the same page in terms of burnout. Um, Glad's the same deal. It's kind of whatever. I, I think Glad's, based on my points here, actually, Glad's snatch it up. In my in my scenario, mm -hmm. how many points did Glad's get off this tournament in my scenario? Two. They would get... They get two? Yeah, because they make this finals. No, they beat. Do you, do you get a point for beating Soul in the elimination round down the bottom? Is it three points they get? Is it three? Or, I thought you only got three if you won. Yeah. So they get two because they make finals and lose. Yeah. Oh, they so win it's two games. oh, sorry. It's based on your final ranking, correct? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they get two points. At least I believe so. Uh, which puts them on 13. And how many points does Atlanta get here in my scenario? Uh, Atlanta finish. Lower, I think they finished third, so they get one point, right? Yeah. Uh, which puts them on 13, and then it's a tiebreaker. Which... Oh my god! You guys won't fucking believe this. Atlanta, Reign, and Gladiators are both on 11-5, and here's the kicker, they both have exactly the same map scores. 41-21, with a point. Is there point. a head-to-head? -head? There's gotta there be. Must be a head-to-head. -head. Yeah. Surely there's a head-to-head. -head. Who wins the head-to-head -head here? It is... No Atlanta way! It's 1-1. Atlanta win the head-to-head. -head. They've beaten Gladiators twice. Mm, and Gladiators only have twice. they? Yeah. Very uh, police trick? Atlanta, Atlanta have beaten Gladiators twice, 100%. Oh. Uh, and recently as well. So, yeah. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta get it. Atlanta get it. I'd but love I, to see that be played out, to be completely but, honest. But, 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 so that means Atlanta gets second seed. Gladiators get third seed, even if even in my bracket, and wow. San Francisco become the fourth team, and they miss out of play playoffs, and they have to go play-ins. Actually, we have it on screen right now. Atlanta did lose to Gladiators at the start of the season. I'm not sure what that means. Yes, there is one loss. And there's, there's one loss, but the they've won twice. Uh... Wait, are we only counting regular season? That's the thing. I'm not I sure what so, counts yeah. towards the head-to-head. -head. If if knockout stage, uh, regular season only, apparently according to Eric. Um, yeah, they have the same regular season record, 11-5. Yeah, 
Yeah, but it's the regular season head-to-head. I think is what and really it's a one is one. the kicker. And it's a one-on-one. Right. They've been... Hang on. What's? I I know. I got to check want... it again now. Do we want the <laughs> referee to come in and tell us what the next decider is? Do we want to? Yeah. What's the ask... next? Break? Eric. Eric. Who would win in that scenario? Yeah, the tiebreakers uh, on the website uh, list. Um, uh, it's one to one. It's one to one. Yeah. Yes, and it keeps going down. Uh, per a post on Reddit, Brad suggested the Gladiators would win a tiebreaker over the Atlanta Rain. In that, is case. that like due to the like weird strength of schedule calculation that they would do? Is that the next like break in the tiebreaker? Yes, there's an ambiguous uh, tiebreaker in there about shared opponents, record against shared opponents. Uh, not very clear, that feels kind of bad. Glad set of advantage. <laughs> oh, no. So glad actually win the tiebreaker then. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's that's hilarious. Of a that that like I kind of almost want Avril's world to be the real one because that's that is comical. How yeah, that is hilarious. Is How rare is it? That you have a team and another team that have the same match record, that's not that rare. But then the same map record, that's rare as fuck. Yeah. And, and then, then the same head to head. Same head to head. Like what? Yeah. Holy. The odds on that is. Yeah. And then there's some stupid. Captain Planet magic that just decides, like, by the power, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> now Gladiators is in, right? Like Captain yeah. Planet puts on the sorting hat from Harry Potter. It's like, mm, okay, it's Gladiators. You're in house gladiators. You're in house lion here. <laughs> lion. Um, wow, wild. Yeah, that's. But it doesn't matter. Well, it does and it doesn't matter. They both are in the top three, which is what they're both playing for. And shock are out because they can't get enough points. Yep. So oh, that's ah. the nightmare scenario for shock. To to be fair, like I'm reading this, and Brad had some spice towards it, right? Like he says uh, that they would lose the tiebreaker to both the shock and the glads if that occurred. It's actually kind of wild that Shock are ahead of us in seeding at this point. We've basically won 16 games so far, but are only getting credit for six, 11 of them in our seeding versus them. And our yeah. being ahead on map diff, total head-to-head, etc., counts for nothing. The league really needs to clean up uh, this rule set. He's next not season. wrong. I yeah. don't think he's yeah. wrong. I yeah. think he's entirely correct here. I, he's justified. I'm pissed for him. I, I think he's. I think he's. I think Rain should be ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, I think that's also where you could say maybe you're not giving league points to people that qualify for Hawaii, but if you yeah. qualified for a Hawaii, just, like, compare the amount of times that you made it and have that as a decider oh, boy. or something. Like, cool. Yeah. Well. Wild. We're good. Yeah, it's wild. We are good. Let's, uh, let's hope we get some really good competition this weekend. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Countdown Cup is the final tournament stage before we head into play-ins, which will then be afterwards. Um, I am uh, I I finished my regular season, but uh, TBA on anything else for the postseason. Uh, currently doing contenders. Uh, Korean Australia started back up, doing some Valorant this week as well. But that's uh, that's the only thing that's I've got on my play. Otherwise, I'll be very interested in just seeing. What the hell is happening? Oh, yeah, Talent Takedown is going to be happening during the Countdown Cup as well. So uh, look out for that. And if you're wondering why the Countdown Cup is being played and I'm in it while simultaneously casting Valorant at the same time, let's just say I'm good at multitasking. I see answer <laughs> that question. So right. episode 188, thank you so much. We'll catch you all next week.